Hello, and welcome to a special bonus episode for your reconsideration. Uh, I'm Devin. And I'm Kyle. And for this special episode, instead of looking back, you know, at an Oscars race 10 years ago at least, we're looking just back to last year, 2019. We're two weeks into 2020. We're already looking back at film in 2019. So we're going to be going through our top 10 films of 2019 and then also running through the Oscar nominations and giving our thoughts on those as well as our predictions. A little who should win, who probably will win as we're looking at it now. You excited for that? Oh, I am. It's my favorite season of the year. Mine too. That's why we have this podcast. <laughs> um, so so to get things started, um, just going to do a little overview. Top 10 movies Per the domestic box office of 2019. The people's choice, if you will. The people, this is the people's choice. Probably the only time we'll be, be talking about some of these movies. Okay. <laughs> uh, number 10 was It Chapter 2. Number 9, Joker. Number 8, Aladdin. Number 7, Spider-Man Far From Home. Number 6, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Number 5, Captain Marvel. Number four, Frozen 2. Number three, Toy Story 4. This is confusing with the numbers. All right. Number two, <laughs> The Lion King. And the number one movie of 2019 was? Endgame. Good job. Avengers Endgame. So I said to Kyle before we started, so there's a little uh, theme in the top ten. Do you want to guess what it is? And he guessed it without even hearing the movie. So. <laughs> I said, is it based on a studio? Yeah. And she said, yeah. Yes, Disney had seven movies in the top ten this year. <laughs> they're a juggernaut, dude. They're, uh, they're doing good. They're doing all right. <laughs> all right, well, so that's, did you want to say anything about the top ten movies of the year? No. Okay. That makes sense, I mean. I mean, it is what it is. It's mostly, you know, movies. sequels and. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, no, there's nothing on that list that is an original property. <laughs> so that's where we are in, in film right now. But there's still, I mean, some of those movies were still good. I thought Avengers Endgame was pretty good. I thought Captain Marvel was fun. I mean, I liked, I liked several of those movies. Mm -hmm. For sure. Absolutely. Except for uh, one of them, which we'll get to on uh, later in the show. We will. Actually, a couple we'll probably get to later in the show. but <laughs> Maybe. <clears throat> All right. Do you want me to go first with my list or do you want to go first? Uh, like, are, you, are you still changing, wait, updating your list? Wait, are we, uh, hold on. Are we, uh, <laughs> are we going like one by one or? Yeah. Like we're doing tens and nines. Yeah. Well, you can go first then. Ladies first. No, I'll go first. I'll go first. You're the real host of the show. So <laughs> I will go, I will go first. Are we doing honorable mentions at all? We'll after? do the honorable mentions at the end. Okay. Okay. Um, number 10 is where we'll start, I guess. That's a good place to start. <laughs> uh, at number 10. Uh, I have a movie that I was hesitant to see, but overall, I mean, obviously it had an effect on me to the point where I put it on my uh, top ten. And that is Honey Boy. Yep. Uh, directed by Alma Harrell. You know what? I'm probably going to mess up a lot of names. I'm just going to say it now, but I'm doing my best. Okay? I think our listeners are used to us not That's knowing true. how to pronounce people. That's names. very true. You know, with, with just like a little bit of like searching, you could definitely find out. But you know what? Always remember too late. So, uh, yeah. So this is the movie um, written and starring uh, Shia LaBeouf, um, who obviously has a very uh, interesting career and personal life. 
But uh, yeah, this movie, I think, even from its opening with Lucas Hedges uh, playing kind of a 20-something Shia LaBeouf is just staring right at the audience, looking right into the camera as he gets jerked back um, in, a, in a harness after yelling, no, wait, 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 or whatever. And then uh, it just kind of goes to show like that's like his probably like Transformers era, his big Hollywood blockbuster era. But uh, yeah, just a, a great opening kind of leaving us like kind of where he is at that point. And then we jump to his childhood. Um, and man, I cannot remember the actor's name. I should have wrote that down. Noah Jupe. Noah Jupe, thank you. Um, but yeah, so uh, it's just this excellent portrayal of kind of like maybe why Shia LaBeouf is the Shia LaBeouf we know, like the newsworthy Shia LaBeouf, um, as well as a little bit about who he is as an artist. A lot about who he is as an artist, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but being kind of raised professionally, anyway, by his father. And this kind of... God. With, and Shia LaBeouf plays his father. And Shia LaBeouf, yes, plays his father. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to give like too much away, but it obviously deals with kind of like the trials and hardships of being a child actor under uh, his father, who's kind of his like manager, a little bit of an acting coach, he thinks anyway. Um, but it's this really just like meta, maybe sometimes overly meta, but just uh, this, you know, the story of a this portrait of a young artist and uh, man. Uh, it's really, it's really a trip and it's, uh, it's, it's extremely well made. And that, that's kind of like the biggest thing I had going for it is the director just did a fantastic job. I love the cinematography. It's a lot of handheld stuff, but it's just, it works so well for the story, the production design, uh, mostly outside of this hotel. Um, it's just fantastic. It's, it's truly fantastic, but the performances are really what drives us home. The story and the performances, I will say. By Shia LaBeouf and young Noah Jupe. Mm-hmm. And Lucas Hedges. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that guy's turning it out. Everything he kind of touches, in my opinion. So, yeah, that's my, uh, I don't know. Do you have anything to say about it? That's my number 10, though. Yeah, I will say um, that one is in my honorable mentions, but it not, did not make my top 10. But I, I definitely agree with everything you said. I think it's a really great movie. I think that the performances are amazing. Noah Jupe is amazing. It's one of those things, I feel like, you know, before when it was, like, kind of doing the festival circuit, it got a lot of buzz. But then, like, come award season, there really hasn't been any love really for anybody in there but i think that i think shia labeouf gives a really great performance and noah jupe lucas hedges but um those i mean shia labeouf and noah jupe for sure and it is a really powerful story and it's really interesting it's clearly i mean it makes no no bones about the fact that it is shia labeouf working through his issues with his dad is what this movie is but it's never feels like while and i don't know it never like feels too like self-interested do you know what I mean like it's his personal story and him working through his stuff but in a way that makes it um more universal or I don't know but I think it's a really good job I think that he proved himself to be a good yeah I mean I think it's a big swing you know like Mm -hmm. this on on paper probably shouldn't work um but end product proves otherwise like for sure um if like if this was an idea I heard about, I'd be like, I want to see it. That's interesting to me. But mm-hmm. like, I just, I could see how also that would turn a lot of people off, and maybe that's why people haven't gotten around to it yet. But I yeah. really hope uh, it swings back the other way, and people end up checking this movie out. I definitely agree. Definitely agree. 
Okay, moving on to my number 10, a controversial pick for this podcast anyway, because my number 10 is The Irishman by Martin Scorsese. I'm surprised it's number 10. Well, yeah. Not that, I mean, that's, <laughs> not that that's like something wrong. It's still on, it's still on a top 10. Mm-hmm. I, um, regular listeners to the podcast, I know I'm a very big Martin Scorsese fan. He's one of my favorite directors. And this film, I think, you know, obviously it's been getting a lot of critical acclaim and all that. And I don't know if I can really add to what people have said about it that make it good. But I think that for me, it is really like this film. I don't know if people will be talking about how great it was if it wasn't Martin Scorsese, just because I think it's so much in conversation with his previous films, especially Goodfellas. I think it's so much a continuation of the ideas that he's already presented and kind of like, it's very much obviously about aging and looking back on your life and those sort of things. And I feel like in a way it was Martin Scorsese looking back on the films that he made and the things that he said with those films and kind of like, his view on what those things mean to him now that he's older. Like, I think that his earlier films, while I don't know if they were like intentionally, I don't think, like, I don't think Goodfellas is trying to show that like it was cool to be in the mob because ultimately it didn't work out well for any of those people. But like, I think there's a way to read that film as being like, that looks really cool. And I think that what I really love about the Irishman is that you definitely don't get that idea. <laughs> Nothing about being in the mob in this movie looks cool. I think that the viol- the way he shot violence in this movie was so disconnected and from a distance and like not as it was just removed. There was a removed aspect, which part of that is the character. Um, you know, I don't think that he's that invested in in the violence that he's committing. And so you kind of like get that as well. And I just think that it was it was just a great, like, I don't think it's the final chapter. Like, I don't think Martin Scorsese's done making movies, but I think it's like such a great, cl- one of the closing chapters in his career to have this film kind of as a bookend to some of his other films. And that's why it's my number 10 pick. Also, though, the performances, which I think are great because I. I'm someone who loves a subtle performance. And I think Robert De Niro's performance in this movie. This movie's full of them, so. It is. His performance, well, besides Al Pacino. But um, Robert De Niro's performance is amazing. Uh, Joe Pesci is mm, perfection, is what Joe Pesci is in this movie. <laughs> so, so, yeah, also that. The performances are great. Is it, could have been a little shorter? Probably. Probably didn't need to be as long as it was. But, uh. I'm not mad about it, so. <laughs> uh, cool. Do you want to say anything, or you want to save your thoughts for later? Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I'll, I'll let you have your number 10, and we'll come back to uh, yeah, The Irishman later. Okay. Sounds okay. good. Yeah. Um, coming in at number nine, I have Maddie Diop's Atlantics. Okay. I know you can currently, just like The Irishman, Devin's number 10, you can currently check this out on Netflix. Um, This is a crazy story. Uh, It it starts off like, I don't know, a typical foreign language (laughs) uh, kind of, you know, European art film. I guess it's not European, though. It takes place in Senegal, so African. But this is this art film made by a French filmmaker. Uh, This art film, though, that, you just kind of don't know where where it's going. It's clearly dealing dealing with like uh, struggling to find work and 
um, well, employability and making a life in Senegal, Dakar, I think specifically, or suburb of Dakar. Um, and it's like this love story, and she's this, this our lead character is about to get married, but she's kind of in love with somebody else because this is more of an arranged marriage and all this stuff. But then, uh, I don't know how much to really say about this movie, but yeah, without giving it away, yeah, what makes it very interesting. <laughs> yeah, there's like a fantastical element. Well, I'll, I'll say it's, it's, there's, there's a possessions that happen, and I don't want to say that it's not, it's not like a devil type of thing. Um, but yeah, there's this, this like ghostly, supernatural element that that takes place about a half like start starts to take place about a half hour into this movie, um, that really just elevates this form. I think this without the supernatural element, this could have been like a really good drama. I don't even know how it would have played out, obviously, because it's quite different because of the supernatural element. But it just becomes something just magical that I think like only a movie could do super well and uh it's beautifully shot the actors are fantastic which i mean none of them are recognizable to me so it's just it's, it's nice to see just like performance without even be taken away by like who's playing who or what uh but it's just beautifully made it's beautifully performed and it just goes into cool places that that yeah again are unfortunately are hard to describe because i don't want to ruin anything for you i just want to say that it's obviously it's a great movie I mean, it's on my top 10 list. It's easy to watch. It's on Netflix. If you can get past that one inch barrier at the bottom <laughs> of the screen, uh, I think you're going to do, you're going to do, you're going to really appreciate it. Um, and I'm not alone in this. There's a lot of people pushing this movie out there. Uh, but yeah, I just think it's so well crafted. I think it's absolutely beautiful. Um, I cannot find a single issue I have with this movie. Where there are some movies on my list I have slight issues with. Mm-hmm. This is not one of them. Um, again, that's Atlantics. I completely agree. Again, again, um, this is in my honorable mentions, but did not make my top ten list. But I, I agree with everything you said. I think, I mean, I didn't know anything about it. You were like, we're watching this movie, and I was like, cool. But uh, it's good. So I say, guys, if you if you don't know anything about it, watch it. You have some more experience. Really? Yeah. Unfortunately, it's like the less you know, the better. Like, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like uh, Parasite, which I'm sure will come up later in the show. Uh, Parasite, the big thing was like, don't see anything about it, just go see it. You know what I mean? And because mm-hmm. I, I think this is a story, like, I got 20 seconds in the trailer and I was like, no, I'm good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm going to see this movie. I'm interested. I don't even want to see another ounce of the trailer because I don't want anything to kind of. Yeah, I never even saw away. the trailer. And I mean, I certainly wasn't expecting it to go where it went, but I think it, it was so beautiful. It was. What are we talking about right now? Oh, I'm talking about Atlantics. Well, okay, good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, Atlantics. Like, it was just such a beautiful story beautifully told so it is it's incredible mm-hmm. so that's my number nine atlantics i like i you're showing me up you've got two female filmmakers already on oh, your no, list right. you'll get you'll get angry later you're fine <laughs> i'll get angry later <laughs> there's a lot of men ahead Devin. Ugh, i know but you're showing me up because my number nine is also directed by a white man and it is <laughs> uh her smell by alex ross perry I am so angry at you right now. Why? Because uh, that's so that was like on my list, even like an hour before recording this episode. And then you take it off. And I'm just mad that you have it and I don't. It's, it's so selfish and stupid, but uh, <laughs> uh, it just kind of makes me angry. But that, no, I'm glad we get a chance to talk about it. I was going to bring it up in honorable mentions. So. No, I really, really enjoy this movie. You know, 
I just got done talking about Irishman about how much I enjoy a subtle performance. And now I'm going to kind of blow that up by saying, I think Elizabeth Moss <laughs> delivers one of the best performances of the year in this movie. And there is certainly nothing subtle about it. Um, in this film, she plays like this punk rock girl who's kind of their career, their band is kind of on the downside and she's kind of spiraling out of control. And, um, and this movie's what in a five act structure Yeah, yeah. and each it's just it's such an amazing journey and i think some of those scenes the while i was watching we went and saw it um at the music box theater actually but um sitting there like watching it at, in the first part where she's really just at the height of her insanity it was so like stressful and chaotic to watch it that i was like sitting there i was like this is like not even enjoyable because i'm so like stressed out by what's happening on the screen yeah but i think what and i mean for a movie to be able to elicit that kind of visceral response i think is already amazing but then in the in the acts that follow as she kind of goes on this journey i think you need like being able to put the viewer in that kind of mindset that she was in then makes the payoff of the ending like so much more powerful because it's a catharsis for her as much as it is for everybody else. And I don't want to give too much away about it, but not that there's like spoilers for it, but um, I think it's just a beautiful movie. I think it's like very well done. The chaotic energy that he's able to capture through the camera work and all of that is, is impressive. And I think Elizabeth Moss, who is one of my favorite actresses of all time, but her performance in this is one of the best of the year. There's someone else coming up and I'll talk about, I think gave the best performance of the year, but she is right up there and she's is amazing. Is it Joaquin Phoenix? Uh, no, uh. sure isn't. But, um, but yeah, um, it's great. And I, I almost bought a, a something she pin. So there's that. Man, I'm going to adjust my list again. <laughs> You're updating it. Uh, I mean, live. no, I'm already, I'm going to stick to the one I made for this show, but. You know, you're. I think you're absolutely right. Her smell is is fantastic. Um, Alex Ross Perry, and whenever Alex Ross Perry and Elizabeth Moss team up together, it's it's gold. Yeah, it's perfection. Um, though it's funny though, the way you're describing it is is so true. This like chaotic energy, which like I know has been given a lot to the movie Uncut Gems. Yeah, this was a comparison I was gonna make. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, but someone's trying to call me. I think that's very rude, Dad. You're gonna have to wait, man. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, which this is, it gives the same kind of ride, you know, everybody's mm -hmm. calling Uncut Gems a ride, mm -hmm. but it does it with like a better story and better, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it, yeah, <laughs> like, it just, just all around. I think this does what Uncut Gems does, but better. I think it suffered from obviously not having the release, the distributor, mm -hmm. the time frame, uh, that Uncut Gems had, but, uh, or even if like, sadly, if it wasn't Elizabeth Moss, I think, and you would have put like a more mainstream actor in there. I think this would have got more screens, but like I'm thankful at the end of the day that that's not what happened. Um, I think this movie is exactly where it needs to be. I just w I want more eyeballs on it for sure. Um, I think it just suffered from like releasing or yeah or whatever. But this is certainly if you if this uncut gem were kind of paired together in like a double feature, I I truly think this is the better of the two movies. Absolutely. Um, if you want to watch those back to back and just really get an ulcer. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's it's a great story. It's great performances. Uh, the style again, Devin mentions a five act structure with each act having a different color scheme and different mm -hmm. camera movement. Um, I just oh, 
I just I love it, and I'm I'm embarrassed it's not on my top ten, but it's certainly one of the best. It's it's actually uh, one of several, well, only one of a few movies that are on my top ten that I actually do want to revisit. Mm-hmm. Not not you know when making these lists, not not necessarily do every time I, I need I need to feel like I need to revisit something. No, I don't know if I'll ever watch The Irishman again. Sure, okay. It was that but, kind of time, but. Her, <laughs> but her smell definitely well. That's a great number number. Uh, I forgot what number we're on, but nine. that was a great. That was one. my number nine. Oh yeah, yeah. And now you're number eight. Number eight. Um, well, I wish it was her smell, but uh, <laughs> no. Um, I have Joanna Hogg's uh, The Souvenir. So many ladies. I do. That's three in a row, yeah. actually. Damn, look at me. Look at you, a little feminist. You know what, though? I want to say it's actually, I think, the fact that, like, you say that, I don't, uh I feel like it's actually unfortunate that that needs to be pointed out. No, I agree. But a lot of people aren't record this year, you know. I know, but I think it's just going to be shitty if people Not think, right. like, they're looking at my top ten, they're like, oh, he just decided to include a bunch of women. Like, the fact that you've, like, if someone thinks like that. I don't think people, that's not an what issue. I was trying to say. There's though. an issue. No, 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 I'm not saying, never mind. I'm not saying you necessarily were, but it's just, like, I hope because you said that, that, like, I don't know. That a lot I'm of people just don't feeling think bad that I've only talked about men so far, and you're talking about three women. Well, to be fair, they're all at the bottom of my top that's ten. That's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Um, this is a trip of a movie. Uh, again, I don't want to like say too much about it. Um, aesthetically, it is amazing. Kind of mixes this 16 millimeter, uh, with 35, uh, just to go back and forth, do different things story-wise, past and present. The performances are incredible. Scene from scene. One, I'm a fan of slow movies. Like, not movies that feel long. No. Slow movies. There's a difference, okay? Uh, I think this movie is so well-crafted. I think the performances are so tight. I literally, from scene to scene, did not know what was going to happen next. Um, there's, like, there's there's a couple tropes, uh, such as drug addiction, that, I mean, you can see in, in any movie in 2019. But outside of that, this movie feels so fresh and so new, even though it's set in the past and deals with issues that are very, uh, very modern. It just feels like such a fresh take. And I just, I was wrapped up in it. I was engrossed, uh, more so in this movie than, than a lot of the movies on the top 10. Um, it was honestly like just a surprise that I literally only want for the only reason I watched it was Tilda Swinton. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) I mean, sometimes, you know, you follow an artist to catch other artists. And, uh, I just, I love the souvenir so much. Again, the souvenir, um, it's, I don't know what else I can say about it. I don't want to go too much into the story, but, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of about filmmaking in a way. It's about being an artist again. It's based on Joanna Hogg's real experience. Real, yeah, real experience. Um, yeah. So you can imagine being a female filmmaker and the experiences that can come with that. Um, but it's just, being a uh, female. No, well, fair, fair. Uh, but yeah, I just kind of love what it does. I love what it says. And I think it was a, a, a true, genuine delight in 2019. I agree. I'm kind of loving, like, this again is in my honorable mentions, but didn't make my top 10. But I kind of love that we are so far have very different top 10s, yeah. even though we watch like 90% of these movies together. <laughs> so yeah, like, for sure. For sure. Um, but no, I completely agree with you. Um, 
I didn't really know much about it except that it was Tilda Swinton, but it actually stars uh, Tilda Swinton's daughter, Honor Swinton Byrne, who is amazing. <laughs> What's her name? I know, but there was like such a pause in between. I couldn't. I was thinking what else I was saying. Swinton Byrne. <laughs> um, and she is, she's really amazing. And the way that they did it, I think, is that she was never given a script. Like everybody else had a script, and then she had just read the director's um, diaries from that time period. And so just like reacted the way she thought that she would happen would react, which I think is a very interesting way yeah. to make a movie. But I think that it, it turned out extremely well. And right. I, I love movie. these exercises and play. like mm-hmm. the whole thing is just such a interesting filmmaking experience that it's just, ugh. agreed. Sorry. I just love it so much. Honorable mentions, huh? Okay. Sorry. I know. I know. Some of these I expected to see on your list, but I know. Man, I'm following well, up. All mine are following your honorable mentions category. We got the Joker <laughs> on there four times. Like, what's happening? <laughs> the Joker's so good that it's my whole top five. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. Uh, so, my number eight. Oh, we're moving on. Oh, yeah. Did you want me to? No, did it's you okay. want to talk about it's just the souvenir. I just wanted to. The souvenir. It's available to rent digitally and probably physically. I don't know how that works anymore, but. <laughs> Um, so my number eight, uh, maybe should come with a disclaimer. Uh oh. But it's my number is eight. It a, is it a porno? No, oh. but it's here. Okay. So my number eight is Homecoming, a film oh. by Beyonce. Why does that have to have a disclaimer? Well, I just feel like I, I was really like debating putting this on my top 10 because I feel like I don't have like, I'm very biased because I stand Beyonce very hard. But like what I came down on was I'm not putting this movie on my top 10 because I stand Beyonce. I stand Beyonce because she creates things like Homecoming, which legitimately was one of my favorite films of 2019. Absolutely. I mean, it's certainly, it's the movie that I've watched the most. I think I've watched it four or five times since it came out. Only four or five? Oh, like sorry, all but... the way through. I've watched oh, okay, it okay. <laughs> in parts okay. more than that probably. But um, I think it's just, it's um for anyone who doesn't know, it's the, it's her Coachella performance that then she, it's the taped versions of the two nights of her Coachella performances interspersed with a lot of behind the scenes footage of her putting together the show, which this, the show was, which I also stayed up until like two o'clock in the morning and watched the live stream of the Coachella performance. But anyway, but this homecoming in itself, like this film, I think that Beyonce is an artist like this generation, I just don't think there's anyone creating art the way that she is doing it. She, her art is so all encompassing and so, you know what I mean? And I feel like I'm not expressing myself well right now, but I think that Beyonce is very singular. Like, I don't think there's anyone else doing what she does. And I think this film as a way to like see behind the scenes of all the work and effort and all the people that it takes to execute her vision is so astounding and it's just it's such a testament to like to make art like how many people are involved to make something like that and the show itself her Coachella performance itself is such a celebration of her career of the whole thing is kind of um inspired by homecoming weekends at HBCUs and it's just such a celebration and such a joy and I just think it's such a momentous and like joyful expression and it's I just keep repeating myself and I know that I'm not expressing myself well but I just think that it's it's a a great concert video 
B, it's a great behind-the-scenes look at a person who does not give you behind-the-scenes looks very often. Because I think Beyonce is obviously very skilled at managing her own persona. I think that's probably her artistry, you know, at, at its best is her creating how she wants people to see her. And, uh, and this is a big part of it. And I think that, I just think this, this is a masterpiece in the, in the Beyonce canon. So, I mean, I think it's undeniable how, uh, important and good it is. Uh, it's also super poetic. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're getting a concert film mixed with just some like straight up poetic, lyrical filmmaking. Um, no, it's truly, it's truly something to behold, and the seamlessness between the two nights footage is just like great. Even though her the costumes and her hair changes between the two nights, but that's what makes it so. The way so they cool. like utilize some of those cuts, yeah. where it goes from a wall of yellow to a wall of pink, is just yeah, and just great. digital and analog film mm -hmm. um, filming. I just yeah, no, it is it is remarkable. I love it too. Yeah, that was number eight. It's available on Netflix if you haven't seen it. <laughs> All right. My number seven, I feel like it might be a lot higher on your list, but it's uh, Shinikairo Ueda's One Cut of the Dead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have a lot to say about that <laughs> one later. Uh, this might be one of the 10% we watch separately. Uh, <laughs> yes. No, One Cut of the Dead is, uh, God, it's absolutely fantastic. Sounds like it's a horror movie, and to some degree, it certainly has horror elements, but this is, like, 100% just, like, a feel-good, another, like, filmmaking journey, which maybe that's, like, a, that's actually quite the the theme in my list so far, outside mm -hmm. of Atlantics, but uh, this movie opens, it's a Japanese movie, it opens up with, like, a 20, 25-minute, maybe 30-minute zombie, one-take, like, one-take zombie movie, okay? How long? It's like 20, 25 okay. minutes, okay? Wow. It's, this, it's this one take, all one take zombie movie, right? And you're watching it, and it's like old school zombie, you know, like a little bit Romero, like a little less Walking Dead, a little bit more like, you know, kind of cheese. But uh, you're noticing it, and it's like some stuff feels awkward and like not timed out well. You know, you're watching a one take. We have, especially with like 1917 coming out this year, I mean, Martin Scorsese, you mentioned earlier, one takes. Like there's all these like, great one take people know what one takes are you know what i mean mm -hmm. but this again this is all a one take zombie movie um and you're yeah you're noticing all these like awkward things and it's not it's just not perfect and then it ends and like credits roll and then the movie really starts <laughs> so the credits roll and then it comes to, like one month earlier <laughs> and it's this guy getting the job to direct a one take zombie movie Okay, so this studio in Japan wants to do, you know, they're starting this, like, horror network, and they thought a great way to kick it off would be to, you know, have this live, they're going to oh, do a live, live. one-take zombie movie. Okay, so then what we're seeing now is all the preparation of what goes into that, right? And he's dealing with some family stuff and with relationship with his daughter, which extremely pays off, makes it utterly beautiful, Um but yeah, we start to see like the preparation that's going into it, getting the actors, doing all this rehearsal, blah, 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 blah. Then we see all the basically behind the scenes of the zombie movie. And then we're now we're like laughing because, oh, that's why that was awkward, because this actor was drunk and like throwing up. <laughs> like that's, that's why they were like waiting and trying to like improv dialogue. You're like wondering well, why this feels weird, you know? <laughs> it's 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 so wonderful. I laughed out loud several times. Like I just and that's I watched it by myself. So laughing out loud is a 
that's a that's a key. That's a win. Okay, for this <laughs> yeah. movie to laugh out loud alone uh, is quite a, the achievement. Um, but yeah, it's like again, it looks like a horror movie based on the cover. It is not really a horror movie. So if that's something that turns you off, one, you need to be more open minded. But two, like, <laughs> I just want to assure you, it's not really a horror movie. It's it's just this wonderful family kind of driven. I mean, hate to throw on this word, but like masterpiece. It's like really fucking good. Like it was, it's, I don't know. It's just the type of movie that like, it will last a long time. It will, you know, people will revisit this. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. I guarantee every film school will watch it moving forward. Um, But yeah, just a good, honest ride. Uh, And more of a comedy than anything else. But yeah, that is uh, One Cut of the Dead, which I think you could check out on Shudder. Nice. I don't have anything to say about it because I didn't see it, but it sounds great. Yes, it is. All right. My number seven, um, probably more people may have seen, is Knives Out by Ryan Johnson. Now, this is one of the movies that I was most looking forward to this year just because I like I love Ryan Johnson. I love murder mysteries. It's a great cast. And... Um, what I think is so interesting about this movie is that it really, it is, you know, a murder mystery, but it does so much more. He kind of, he plays with the genre so well in a way that you only can when you really love the genre, you know? And I think that it's, it on the surface, it's just a lot of fun. It's a great cast. They're chewing up the scenery. Tony Collette is a national treasure. And, um... But then there's so much more going on. Like, I love a movie, and this is kind of a theme on my list, too. Like, I love a movie, regardless of the genre or whatever it is, that, like, has something to say. And this movie certainly has something to say, but it's also going to treat you to a really great time. One of the, like, best times I had in the theater. And I also think it's so, it's probably, in my opinion, one of the best written films of the year. Just because the way that you have to, writing a murder mystery anyway is difficult because you have to, Met by all this stuff. Writing something with a ton of characters is difficult. Again, there's a lot of like planning that has to be done. But the way every single thing in this movie, every single thing pays off in such a way that it's like, it's just, it's just like for me, like as a writer, I'm just like, that's so beautiful that you were able to like do this all in your head and like figure it out. And like, there's in uh, one of Joan Didion's books that I read, I think it's The Year of Magical Thinking, she's talking about her husband, who was a writer, and um, something that he, I think it was something that he'd written, and she's trying to, she's rereading it, she's trying to, like, figure out how he, like, pulled this thing off. And, like, that's how I feel about writing sometimes. It's, like, like a magic trick that's been done. Like, when writing is so good that you honestly feel like it's been a, it's a magic trick. And that's what I feel like this script does. And well, that's why it's my number seven. I love that. Yeah, uh... Definitely, it's in my honorable mentions. Had a really great time. Ryan Johnson is five for five for me at this point as far as films. Um, no, I loved it. And you know what? If you can include a vomit gag in 2019 <laughs> that pays off and everybody enjoys, uh, you succeeded in my book. Uh, sad it didn't make my top ten, but I thought there were just like kind of other things to highlight. Um, I think... I think everyone is going to see Knives Out. And yeah, make, and it's make doing their own so well. Yeah, yeah, for But again, sure. original property here, so. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, no, this will be talked about for a while, so. Mm-hmm. Knives Out, loved it. Yes. All right. 
All right, time for your number six. That was too quick. I pulled my list again. Okay. <laughs> You're changing it again? Yeah, I have another uh, another woman filmmaker. And uh, sorry to spit this out before you, but it is Greta Gerwig's Little Women. Uh, this movie is just wonderful. <laughs> um, it truly is. Uh, I did not read the book. By any means. In fact, I, I literally have not seen another interpretation of the story. So everything here was fresh to me. And it was really cool because in the theater, there was like this girl ahead of me a little bit to the left. And this movie kind of goes forward and backwards a little bit in, in, in time, in the timeline of the story. And she seemed to be very confused within the first 10 minutes. And finally, when it like cut back to the past, she's like, okay, thank God. <laughs> she was like nervous. She got tricked into seeing like yeah. <laughs> some, some way different story than she was expecting. But I think that's what's interesting too about Little Women is, it, you know, it, it adds more to the story, more to the author um, than just the book does. Uh, I loved it. I loved it. Um, I don't know if I would have seen this movie if Greta Gerwig wasn't attached to it. I love kind of everything that she does. I've been following her for quite some time now. Um, but yeah, it's masterful. Uh, the performances are awesome. I mean, we have everybody is in this movie. I, like Florence Pugh, Sir Sharon. Sir Sharon. That was terrible. I, I tried. Sarsha. There you go. Uh, Laura Dern, Chris Cooper, uh, Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk, Timothy Chalamet, Florence Pugh, Emma. Watson, mm -hmm. I forget what Emma, yeah, whatever. Everybody is, it is Emma Watson, right? Yeah. Is and Eliza the, Scanlon. Eliza Scanlon, okay. But I mean, like, it's just everyone kind of knocks it out of the park. It's a movie for like the entire family. Um, I want to watch it again, but like on a snowy night, like, <laughs> I just, Maybe I just, Christmas classic yeah like honestly we should watch it next christmas like mm -hmm. we I, went and saw it on christmas day by the way we did we did but, but it was also like 65 degrees outside <laughs> for some reason in <laughs> illinois on christmas day so like it didn't feel all encompassing but uh but yeah i mean i just i truly thought this movie was pure joy um i cannot wait to see what the filmmaker greta gerwig does next i'm sure we'll talk about this movie more later yeah yeah i'll be talking about it later okay so, my number six is The Farewell by Lulu Wang. Finally. I had a film by Beyonce. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. forgot. Sorry. But thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, my female directors are a little higher up on my list. But, um, no, this movie, like, first of all, uh, the premise of this movie, which I think it's it's based on a This American Life, I think, episode. Yes, yeah. And uh, so basically it's based on a true story where her grandmother was sick and they weren't going to tell her because it's they didn't want her to know that she was. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Because, I mean, there is, like, some some theory behind that when people, people think they're sick, like, act sick, and then that can, like, speed up the dying process For sure. and whatever else. And so instead they, they create this elaborate lie of a wedding <laughs> they're like forcing this couple to get married so that they have an excuse for the whole family to go back over to china and um and say their goodbyes without saying their goodbyes to their grandmother yeah and it's such like a wacky premise and there are some very very funny parts of this movie but it's also i think so touching and beautiful and has like some of the aquafina is which i mean I feel like most people, the only thing I've seen her do is, is broad comedy, which she's very good at. But her performance in this is so 
it's just so t- it's just lovely. Like this whole movie, like all I can really say about it that I just find it so lovely. And it's just it's funny, it's warm, it's touching. And that's why I love it. I don't know. I don't know what to say about it except that I really enjoyed it. Well, I'll let you think about it while uh while uh it might come up later again. Oh, okay. okay. Good. Um, no, I couldn't agree more. That's a great number six, Devin. Thank you. The Farewell. Uh, coming in at number five for me is uh, Robert Eggers' The Lighthouse. Um, this is a uh, little black and white movie um, starring Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. Um, Robert Pattinson is this new lighthouse guy. What's the name? Jeez, I don't even, I can't um. think of what it's called. Uh, but lighthouse busy- Keeper? Lighthouse Keeper. Thank you. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he's kind of like new on the job. He's new on his assignment. He gets kind of uh, brushed aside, has to do all like kind of the dirty work under Willow Defoe's seniority, uh, scrubbing the floors and that kind of jazz. But there's, but uh, slowly we start to see more and more uh, to the characters. There's there's sort of a another supernatural kind of element happening within the lighthouse. Um, but really it's, yeah, it's this, uh, descent into madness. Um, it's just, this film is carried by its cinematography. It's carried by its performances. It is, it's just a movie that you shouldn't be able to get made today, but, but a 24 is like really fucking cool and is giving people like Robert, Robert Eggers, uh, the ability to make whatever they yeah the ability to make whatever they want to um, which is really cool if you if you've seen the witch that's his work his prior work I mean he puts every detail he possibly can into making uh, his period films like come to life and feel like they actually exist in that time period um, and even using some techniques uh, filmmaking wise that like would be more associated with uh, the elements they're trying to capture. Um, it's it's just, it's something to behold. It's like, I think by far the most interesting movie I probably have on my list as far as just uh, kind of things it does. It's definitely non-traditional. Um, but yeah, it's just an experience. And if you didn't get a chance to see it in the theaters, I feel bad for you. I think that's the place to see it because it's this, it's this more square boxed uh, frame um, that is really kind of cool to see on a big screen, which you don't get to. But, uh, but yeah, uh, I would definitely recommend you check it out regardless. It is, it's, it's a weird little movie. It's a weird little movie, but I think it deserves uh, every bit of praise it has gotten. I, I mostly agree with what you say, except it didn't make my list or my honorable mentions. But I will say, too, in point to recommending it to people, it is – very funny. It's like one of the funniest oh, films. Dude, I think. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> like, it's. Absolutely. I think like people kind of see it as like, oh, this artsy thing. Like, oh, no, that doesn't seem like. But laugh. it is funny. <laughs> Please laugh. If you find like you shouldn't be laughing, you're with the wrong crowd, or you're not going yeah. into it with the right. It. You're right. It is. You're right. You don't think it's one of those movies you're supposed to laugh at, but like, dude, there's fart humor. There's a lot of like. Fart there's humor. a lot of fart humor. Uh, there's dude. There's so many good. There's so many good things. There's so many good things. And there's some fucking killer monologues by Willem Dafoe. I wish oh, he was Willem getting, Dafoe, I wish he was getting more recognition this a year. a monologue but. while having dirt thrown on your oh, face. Absolutely. That's a, it's a feat. Absolutely. Like, just please check out this weird little movie. It won't take much of your time. 
and you won't regret it. But if you do regret it, then uh, you don't email know. us at yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. gmail. I don't know. But how yeah, websites that's uh, <laughs> Robert Eggers, The Lighthouse. Good pick. Are we, what are we on number fives? Yep. Well, my number five is my only horror movie. Oh, horror movie? On this list. I know. Aren't you proud of me? Uh, I think I know which one it is. Do you? Yeah. It's Us by Jordan Peele. Nice. Is that what you thought it was? Yes. Okay. You know me I, so well. Honestly, I, no, like, I said that. When I said that, I said I was thinking Us. But then I was like, maybe she did Ready or not. I don't know. So. Oh, okay. Nope, I did Us. Um, I love this movie so much. And I know that I feel like, you know, it came out what, in like March of this year. So very early. And so I think that maybe some people have forgotten about it by now. And I don't like, I just think Jordan Peele is such an interesting filmmaker between this and get out. It's just, he, again, he is doing something in genre, but he has so much to say. Mm-hmm. And while I don't think, I think that with us, you know, obviously after the success of Get Out, he was given a bigger budget. And you can see that on the screen. And I think that he was very ambitious with what he was trying to do. And I think that, you know, it's a it's a movie about privilege and about class and about those kind of things. And I think that, you know, Get Out was a lot more streamlined in the in what it was trying to say. And I think Us gets a little more muddled in the metaphor. But I still think that it's so ambitious. It's so interesting and so well done and also it looks great like the colors and all the stuff i think oh, yeah, are like for sure fantastic and then you know i said before there was one person who i think gave the best performance of the year and that would be lupita nyong'o and us her performance her dual performances in this movie are so astounding the voice that she does as red is like so creepy and so oh no for sure good like she just she delivers such an amazing performance and i think that this movie is just i just i don't know i don't feel like it really like it's i know it's like it's like high on my list for me to be having like issues with it i don't know if it like stuck the landing 100 but i think that like it did so many things so good and i mean everyone in this movie is doing dual performances for the most part and they're all nailing it and i just think that it's so ambitious it's so there's so many ideas that just like excite me that it made it made my list at number five. So No, honestly, yeah, I think that's a great choice. That was definitely one of the the best watches uh at the at the theater this year. And yeah, I think there's I think we just, I, I I agree with you that your point like or that uh the message may be a little bit muffled. I mean, I don't know how how muffled it is. I think I think you could go in and not take any kind of message from it right. and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's hard to necessarily see the messages. I don't think it's hard um, to see the message. I just think it's kind of like, I don't know. It gets kind of. Well, I mean, if we're talking about like the last 20 minutes, yeah. there's just, yeah. And I don't want to spoil anything, but I agree. It loses me for for a brief moment in the last like 20 minutes. But um, overall, no, a super strong sophomore effort from Jordan yeah. Peele. There's just so many like images in it too that are just like so the imagery in it is just yeah, impeccable. No, I'm with you. And another great performance by Elizabeth Moss as well. So Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, no, right on, Devin. Uh, shall we do number four? Yeah, that's your number four. My number four, not see now I feel bad. I feel like some of my movies are gonna hit before yours do, uh, but is Parasite. Oh, wow. So Bong Joon Ho's Parasite. 
uh, number four. This is a movie that's kind of taken the country by storm, so I'm sure you have heard of it by now. Um, I still recommend you get you see it if you get a chance. I think uh, they're re-releasing it in theaters. Are they re-releasing it? it came I know back it's here, like yeah. okay. I know it's able to like be streamed now for digital. So oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I can't can't recommend this movie more. Uh, more. It is probably uh, technically the best movie on the list as far as like I mean. It's writing is tight. The cinematography, the performances, excuse me, the directing, uh, sound design. It's like, it's all, the production design. Uh, It's all so well put together. It blows my, it blows my mind. Um, Again, a movie that like, don't want to tell you too much about besides, you know, it kind of starts as, it's this con movie where this kid, this kid works his way kind of into this, this rich family's home as a tutor for their daughter. And then, slowly they, he starts finding other roles for the rest of his family within this family's home. Um, won't say too much after that, but it just becomes this crazy, you know, tense, you never know what's going to happen next kind of movie um, driven home by, again, just the technicalities of filmmaking um, and performances. Uh, can't recommend this movie. I'm sure we'll talk about it more. Yeah, but, might come up again. But yeah, that is my number four, Bong Joon-ho's Parasite. That's a good number four. Well, I think I might now be beating you to one, so I think we're fair now. Okay. Because my number four is Marriage Story by okay. Noah Bumbach. Honorable uh, mention for me, but... No, no. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm what? I was about to question everything I know about you. <laughs> um, this movie, you know... I feel like, again, this is a movie that I think everyone's aware of. It's on Netflix. It's available for everyone to watch. It's inspired a lot of memes. But, um, <laughs> it has. Oh, weirdly. It's weirdly, yeah. But this movie about the, the dissolution of a marriage, which it's called Marriage Story, but it's you know a divorce story. about this couple who, who are going through divorce and kind of disputing custody of their child and just how quickly a divorce that, that was supposed to be amicable can turn can turn ugly but i think what's interesting to me and it is somewhat based on a known barbox real life divorce from jennifer jason lee but um and you know i, I like I've, I've read interviews with scarlett johansson said she met with him and they talked about like her divorce and i think that i mean it's so universal to to just people in relationships and i think what's interesting about this movie also is that so many times when we see stories about relationships that are ending there's like a big reason why it's ending. you know what i mean it's like a big firework that then kills it where like this is very much like death by a thousand cuts it's like Ooh. a million little things that they didn't address when they could have and now it's turned into this giant firework you know which is just like a really interesting thing to see play out and i think this movie, it's a small movie, obviously, so I think the the driving force behind it is really the performances and Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver's performances are just, like, next level, honestly, especially Adam Driver. But, and Laura Dern is great, because Laura Dern's always great. <laughs> <laughs> and the yeah. Dernissance is yeah. wonderful to be living through. And I don't know, it's the just, <laughs> it's, a, it's just such a interesting interesting movie and i think that you know it can it it just i think it speaks to everybody and it's well written well acted well directed and it's my number four movie i feel like i'm just rambling right now it's a good number four Devin. it's a good number four 
I'm sure we'll be talking about it again. Now we are into our top threes. Top three. Top three. My top three is, or my top, my number three is, <laughs> uh, Lulu Wang's The Farewell. Ooh. Um, so Devin already mentioned this. Uh, yeah, huge surprise for me at the movies this year. I loved this movie so much. It is hilarious. It is uh, dramatic. It is... It just it hits all the right heartstrings. Um, I have a very close relationship with my grandmother, which I think <laughs> played a huge role yeah. <laughs> in my kind of roller coaster ride of emotions with this movie. Uh, but there is there is nothing to complain about with this. The performances are are awesome, often funny. I love the cinematography. It's subtle yet gorgeous. The, even the soundtrack, um, the the score is just electric. There's like an umbrella scene that. I don't think it'll ever escape my brain. Um, yeah, I just, I truly, I truly enjoyed and loved this movie. And I can't wait to watch it again, actually. This is yeah. one of those I'm excited. Actually, the top three are all rewatches for me, for sure. Um, but, yeah. I mean, Devin already kind of touched on it pretty pretty well at her. What was it? It was really high up your list. It was my number six. Six, okay. Yeah, super high up there. Uh, but it is my number three, which is a better fit for it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that is Lulu Wang's The Farewell. Good number three. Thank you. I like it. All right. My number three is Book Smart by Olivia Wilde. I love this movie. I will be honest with you. Like, this was my number one movie on my list for a very long time sure. throughout this year. Sure. I mean, this movie came out in, like, May, so there wasn't, like, a lot of competition right. for it for a while. And honestly, it's it's available right now on Hulu, and I rewatched it the other night just because I'm like, maybe I'm you know remembering this through rose colored glasses. But I'm like, no, no, this it's movie's really good. great. <laughs> it's a uh, Olivia Wilde's directorial debut, and it's a it's a high school buddy comedy. These two girls, you know, on the eve of graduation, realize that they've spent all their time being good students, and they haven't partied enough. And all the people that were busy partying also got into good school, yeah. so they, they could have been doing both. Because life is just simply unfair. <laughs> right, and so they decide that they're going to make up for it by one crazy night, which, honestly, what I love about this movie is that it it takes every single trope of every high school movie that you've seen before, and but somehow manages to, like, make it fresh again. Like, they're not, it, you know, they're not reinventing the wheel. It's all, the, it's all, it's a raunchy teen sex comedy. You know what I mean? But... It just feels so fresh. All the the cast across the board is so great. It's such a great cast of young actors that just like make you excited for the future of films because they're all fantastic. And it's just I mean, I don't know. And there's no none of the like there's the cool kids and they're kind of the nerdy kids, but there's never any like real animosity because of that. You know what I mean? There's not like that sort of like bullying type stuff going on. It's just a great film, and it's honestly, it is like 100% the most fun I had in the theater this year. I can't remember the last time I laughed as hard as I did when we saw it in the theater. And then watching it again at home by myself, I was also laughing still, even though I knew it was coming. It's funny. The performances are great. And uh, it's my number three. 
No, I, I couldn't agree more. I think this movie was hilarious. I mean, do I think it like elevated cinema? No, but uh, <laughs> I don't think it elevated cinema. But I I think no, that I too many times with top tens, no, I know comedies get short shrift, and I'm just saying I've had several comedies on my list so far. Okay, but this is like a real comedy. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> not some like dramatic elements and then some funny stuff. This is like a full balls to the wall comedy. It is. It is. And it works so, so It's so well. good. I, I mean, obviously laughed harder than, than any other time in the theater this year. I love book smart. It's not in my, it's not on my top 10, obviously, but I, but I, it, it, it'll live on. It, this is a, it's very rewatchable for sure. Well, great job, baby. Thanks. And like I said, it's on Hulu, so watch it. It is on Hulu. Go, yeah, go check it if you somehow have missed it so far. Mm-hmm. Um, you will laugh your ass off. All right. My number two. And I'm cheating here a little bit. Oh, you always do. <laughs> I always do. I always cheat just a little bit. Uh, I think there were two horror movies this year. Oh both God. Both sophomore efforts that uh, did absolutely amazing things. And one Devin has already touched on, and that is Us. Oh, wow. And the other one is Midsommar by Ari Aster. I think both of these guys had really critical, uh, successful horror movies in the last couple of years. Um, obviously with Get Out, as you mentioned, and with Ari Aster's Hereditary. And they returned to show that they are going to be here for a long, long time. Um, Devin touched on everything with us pretty freaking well. Um, I think we talked enough probably about that. Uh, but I, yeah, everything I was just saying would just be re- to reiterate things you said. It is just, it's absolutely incredible. Again, I have a couple issues with like the last 20 minutes, but by no way does that kill my love for the movie. Like, would I think it might be like almost perfect if it had that fix? Yes, but I'm okay with imperfections. Um, and then Midsommar is the movie... That Devin, I made Devin see twice this year. Um, in theaters. <laughs> in theaters. We saw the two hour, two and a half hour cut, which is the regular cut, and the director's th- cut, which is three hours. Mm-hmm. I actually prefer the original theatrical cut. Uh, I think the director's cut tried to add too much humor in, and the, add, the additional scenes or lengthened scenes didn't really uh, add no, anything I, for me. You know, yeah, I agree. But I mean, this is a movie about uh, a failed relationship, a relationship that shouldn't even exist. Uh, let alone should th- this relationship should not go on a trip together <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to a weird uh, culty part of Sweden. But, no one should go to that culty <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, but, like, what it kind of explores, and obviously the first 15 minutes, I know Devin can agree to this, the first 15 minutes are fucking incredible, yes. like utter, utterly masterful. Uh, but then what he explores and what these characters explore in the next two hours is just, I mean... You're watching a train. You know this is not going to end well. The sense of dread, and I love me some dread. <laughs> uh, the sense of dread just hangs out, hangs throughout. And uh, again, another movie did not know what was going to happen next. Like, sure, it had some ideas, and in fact, people you know have noticed that it kind of lays out on a chart. Yeah, kind of the plot of the movie at a certain point, but uh, <laughs> yeah, on tapestry. <laughs> um, but even that doesn't show like how we get there necessarily. Uh, but yeah, this movie just stylized, beautiful, often funny, very dark, dark humor, but just visuals, loved it. Like, I loved everything about it. Um, the performances by Florence Pugh, the performance by Florence Pugh is just next level. Yeah. Uh, she won me over. Um, 
yeah, I don't even know where I love where it goes, which I don't, again, kind of a hard movie to talk about. Cause I don't really want to talk about kind of the things that happen in it. But, uh, if you love you some dread <laughs> or you love you some, uh, Swedish, uh, wardrobe <laughs> options. Oh, yeah. If you like a flower uh, crown. If you like a good flower movie. crown, or you know what, maybe you're a fan of wildlife, like bears, uh, you should definitely check out Midsummer. Uh, but yeah, I tied that with us because I think, again, like two kind of awesome horror movies this year that, that weren't horror necessarily, they kind of pushed the genre, a little genre bending, um, but two sophomore efforts from two recent, you know, uh, incredible entries to this to the to the form um, in the last couple of years. So yeah, my number two, Midsommar and Us. I cannot recommend those two enough. All right, fair picks. All right, well my number two is a movie that you already talked about, and it is Parasite by Bong Joon Ho. Now I agree. I think that this movie is probably the best movie on my list. Um, but it's a personal list, so it's my number two. And um, I think I think this word gets thrown around a lot, and so it kind of, like, loses its meaning, but I think this genuinely is a masterpiece of a film. Like you were saying, I think, I mean, you covered a lot of it pretty well, but I think there's not a single thing that I think would make this movie better. There's not a single thing I would change about this movie. There's not. Yeah. It's It's perfect. From the performances to the to the uh, production design, to the camera work, to everything. Like, it's just perfection. And on top of all that, again, like you said, like you never knew where it was going to go. We went into it not knowing anything about the plot, which is how I would suggest most people go into it. Although, as it keeps getting more and more buzzed with award season, I don't know how easy that's going to remain. Yeah, yeah. But um, but it goes to some places that you would never see coming. And what I really like, too, because, again... You know, there's a lot of movies on my list and a lot of movies that came out this year that are about privilege. Um, but what I really appreciate about this film, too, is there aren't really villains in it. There are people who maybe do things like I think on every side, people are doing things that maybe aren't great ideas, that maybe aren't the nicest things, that maybe are morally gray. But there's no one who's like an outright villain, which I think is just some people that are oblivious to what goes on around them and I think that is actually more realistic than than depictions of outright villainy when it comes to things like this yeah and so I just really appreciate it for that I appreciate it for for constantly being surprising and unexpected I appreciate it for um for just it's just such a, a confident and beautiful like visually beautiful film I know it's a masterpiece. I don't. I don't have much else to say that you haven't already covered. But parasite. Yeah, see this damn movie, obviously. Yes. Um, okay, number yeah. one, should I, we do drummers? Yeah, I think all movies have been covered at this point because I think I know your number one. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you don't mind. Mm -hmm. uh, my number one is Noah Baumbach's Marriage Story. Uh, Devin obviously touched on earlier. Uh, a little too high on her list, in my opinion, but a little too high. Well high number you know i don't know how it works okay a little far away from the top slots okay it was in, my, it was in the top five was it that's my number four Man, it feels like it was so long ago damn <laughs> never mind all right uh yeah no this movie um it's everything i love in movies like <laughs> it's sad it's yes it's, <laughs> but sad. it's also very funny oh uh, yeah no it's no no for sure it's sad it's funny um the performances are 
are excellent. Noah Baumbach's writing is is something to behold. I mean, I I've loved ninety percent of his movies, eighty percent of his. I don't know how many. Wait, hold on. Hmm. I've loved a majority <laughs> of his movies, but I, so far I think this is. I honestly I think this is a masterpiece, and I think a lot of people would agree with that. Um, what? So not me. Not yeah. you. What would you say is above this? Uh, Francis Ha. Oh no, that's incorrect. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But uh, no, I mean, yeah, Devin kind of touched on everything, um, but it's just, it's powerhouse. It's it's true to life. It's it's beautiful and sad and wonderful and depressing. <laughs> I mean, I'm just gonna say all the things over and over again. Um, don't know how good the rewatch is, honestly. Uh, although I do want to check it out again. Um, but yeah, this is just the kind of story that I've always been attracted to. So like, obviously, this is my homecoming, right? <laughs> this is my like the almost you could do no wrong. Mm-hmm. But it was so great that it's just it makes it even better. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say. I just think it's so accessible to many people. Um, I love that it's on Netflix and you could just stream it at any point. I love that it's kind of making this meme. I, I don't. I don't know why it's making memes. I don't know. But I think it's like stuff like that even helps get more eyeballs on it. I think this movie to talk about, um, I think, create interesting discussions. And I think, man, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, who's not getting enough love, I think they're just they're so wonderful. And the 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 the, the one two punch from Company, the two songs yeah. from Company. Oh, those music that musical it's, portion is. It it all works so. There is not an ounce of fat in this movie for me. There's not mm. an ounce of fat. It is so well edited. Like, I just, man, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of lost now. Maybe. <laughs> Too long of a list. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, Marriage Story is my number one and easily uh, one of my overall favorite movies. I mean. Like of all time? Yeah, definitely like top twenty. Excuse me, like top twenty-five worthy. Wow! I truly, truly love this movie. Sure. So yeah, Mary Story, my number one. I could have, I could have guessed that. Yeah, as I as you guessed guessed mine. Yes, I'm sure it's probably people figured out too by process of elimination that uh, my number one, directed by your number one's better half. Is uh, Whoa. <laughs> half. I don't know about better half, but half. <laughs> is uh, <laughs> Little Women, directed by Greta Gerwig. Uh, this movie is just so, like, heartwarming. Like, literally warms my heart. Um, I have not read the book, but I wore out my VHS oh. copy of the of the '90s version with Nona Ryder when I was a kid. Like, I watched that movie nonstop. To the point where I did take an accelerated reading quiz on the book based on the movie and passed it. But anyway, <laughs> um, that was my little third grade rebellion. But um, I just love this movie. I think that this the story of Little Women, obviously, it's I think this is what, like the fourth or fifth version of it that's been made into a movie. So it's a story that across generations has spoken to people. And I love the things that Greta Gerwig has done to kind of update it, to make it her own. You know, she took not just the plot of Little Women, but also aspects of Louise May Alcott's actual life and then some other stuff from other things that she had written and kind of like weaved them all together into the story, which also had a lot of her point of view. And I think it's just, it's just lovely. And for me, 
what kind of like sealed it as my number one, besides the fact that I love Greta Gerwig and I love, I love everybody in this cast. Again, Laura Dern, Saoirse Ronan, Florence Pugh. This is the year of Florence Pugh. Um, amazing. But I think what really sealed it, there is a moment in the film where, where Joe is kind of lamenting that, you know, no one's going to care about her little book about domestic life and because it's not about important things. And Amy tells her that, you know, it's not that important things the only things get written about, like writing about things is what makes them important. And I think that that is such a statement that like, just like means so much to me. And I think that <laughs> with the, with this movie and with like depictions of girlhood and like adolescence and all kind of stuff, I just think that we do need more of that. And this is such a like beautiful version of it. <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting emotional. I think it's beautiful that you're getting emotional. Take your time. Uh, but yeah, I think that this is just a beautiful film that literally, like, you hear my voices like now, this is like what I felt like the entire time I was watching it. <laughs> so it's my number one movie of 2019. Coachella, you ready? Let's go get on All right, so now you want to get into some honorable mentions? <laughs> sure. All righty. Uh, I feel like you basically had almost all my honorable mentions, but I'll run through some other ones that I have on there. Uh, Hustlers. Yes. <laughs> the Souvenir, Honey Boy, Holiday. Um, Atlanta. Yes, I, I honestly forgot that was a movie from this year. Yeah. I honestly was, Damn. I had it on my top 10 for a minute and then I was like, eh. I don't know if I can like with good conscience recommend people watch that movie. No, so no, I kind no, of no, took it yeah, off. No, list, it makes but... a, you know, honestly, just like when watching that, I think obviously the original tension was like, I knew that it was a movie from this year, but I think when going back to my list, like I wasn't, I was, I wasn't thinking it was a 2019 movie entry. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Uh, so Holiday Atlantic's Wild Rose. Um, and The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Yeah. Also, I would I mean, have to agree with The Last Black Man in San Francisco for sure. Um, it just missed my list. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, other ones, I mean, Her Smell was on mine. Excuse me. Uh, Ready or Not, which is like just a super fun horror comedy movie. Yeah, I thought that was like, in your top ten. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I was considering it for a while. It was in my top ten for a while. Um, highly recommend uh, Ready or Not. Uh, last Black Man, I sorry I said Dolomite is my name. Oh yeah, yeah. Couldn't have had more like more fun Netflix movie. It's it's it is so much. It's fun. so good. Uh, Hail Satan, the documentary. <laughs> Hail Satan. Brittany runs a marathon. I know you didn't enjoy this as much as I did. I personally loved this movie, and it was. I really liked. I it. really thought it was going to be on my top ten. Really? Yeah, it got pushed out. I knew out. you liked it more. It than got I really did out. enjoy it. Uh, but that's on Amazon Prime. Brittany runs a marathon. Super good. Knives Out, obviously, plenty to talk about there. Book Smart was on my as well. Um, another documentary, Horror Noir, The History of Black uh, of Black People in Horror, I believe is the subtitle for that. Uh, but Horror Noir, that's on Shudder. And Crawl, another mm. oh, horror yeah. movie by uh, yeah, Alexandra really like Aja. Uh, 
alligators in the middle of a fucking hurricane sounds stupid. The movie is totally, totally great. Um, but yeah, that is my rundown. Alrighty, and now we have a few special categories that I've stolen from Slash Film who stole from Film Sweating SVU. So let's do it. Who probably stole from somewhere They else. probably let's, stole it from someone, too. There's no so. original ideas, as we've discussed with the box yeah. office. Okay. So to start out, I and mean, we've already talked about a bunch of movies that I really liked. So our first category up is overrated. The film overrated first? That you so thought. It's not the first I have on the list that you gave me, but okay. You've changed, up, you... you've changed up the list, I guess. The order, I mean. Okay, so what was it again? Overrated. Yes, a movie that okay. you, the first other people, second, whether it's, it's critics or night. audience, you get to determine what you think is overrated. Overrated. Uh, we've already talked about it once tonight, but I'm going to talk about it again. <laughs> it's uh, Martin Scorsese's The Irishman. Kyle's a hater, guys. I, you know what? Not a hater. Um, just disappointed, you know? <laughs> but it's not my most disappointing movie. <laughs> I want to be clear. I want to be clear about that, which is another category that was supposed to come first, but for some reason is now not. Uh, Overrated has come first, I guess. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, you can edit the show however you want. I think. (laughs) Oh, that's true. (laughs) Dang. I think uh, this movie is not not all that great. Um, I agree that I love what it does. Kind of say it's this kind of like end of his gangster era. Um, but at the same time, like the movie you're appealing to or the audience you're appealing to is the audience who, uh, thinks it's cool to be a gangster in Goodfellas or Casino. Uh, what? I mean, I disagree. I'm just saying, I think they're, I think they're one and the same, a Scorsese fan and a, uh. I'm a Scorsese yeah. fan and I don't think it looks cool to be a gangster in you Goodfellas. You love Goodfellas. It is like I love Goodfellas, but I don't think it's like, ooh, yeah, I want to be just like Henry Hill when I grow no, up. No, no, like, no. I, no, no, I agree. I agree. Um, no, but I do love what it American. says about that. <laughs> I do love what it said. It feels too... The only thing I can compare it to it, like in my personal uh, life of watching movies, is like when I saw Terrence Malick's A Tree of Life, I was like, this movie is not yet for me. Mm-hmm. Like It's not that it's not good, but it's not for me right now. And that is exactly how I feel about The Irishman. I, they could not get me to care less about that movie. Like, uh, I thought the performances were good. I do. I do think the performance is good. I think... I think the CGI de-aging was okay. Uh, I don't know if this this movie, is, it was too much of a gimmick to actually work for me. Hmm. Um, yeah. Like you think it would have been better if they just cast like younger people? Yes. I think it would have been, I think it just would have, it would have felt more like a tradition. Like this was an experiment and I think it's a failed experiment. Hmm. It's kind of what it is. Um It'll come up later again, too, but, like, I hated the cinematography. I, I think this is one of the least stylized Martin Scorsese movies I've ever seen. I was very bored um, with just, like, his presentation, honestly. Okay. But also, I, I, learned, I learned after yeah. the fact, yeah, the three-camera setup to do the... De- See, but again, the de-aging, this gimmick, ruins the movie then. It just goes to show that, like, it could have been a good movie. The story, the script is awesome. It's... At the end of the day, though, it's just... I thought it was a subpar effort from Martin Scorsese. Um, so when I hear all this praise, and I, I, don't, I don't personally understand it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't get behind, outside of the performances, I can't get behind like anything else people are saying that are, that are truly positive about it. I get what you're saying. And I, th- like, I kind of did um, go back and forth about putting it on my list, and that's why it was at number 10, because I do think that like 
just with its focus on aging and reflecting on life and like that sort of stuff like I do feel like it's not really for me yet either but ultimately my love for Martin Scorsese and my my respect for him as a filmmaker forced yeah. me to put it on my list yeah see I don't know see I think we need to check ourselves on that maybe I mean know? I don't love every Scorsese movie but I like most of them. So. Yeah, but no, for sure. Okay, <laughs> um, and and we've talked about this, but I think it needs to be said on, on the internet is, uh, I heard you paint houses is a way better title. Yeah, it is. The Irishman is a stupid title. I heard you it's paint houses so is a great title. It's a perfect title. In fact, it's a title in the movie. I don't know why. Yeah, they, they had, literally they had to it's pull like up a, the Irishman as well. They call him the Irishman once in that whole three yeah, and a half it's, hours. It's so. not. It's literally not important. I don't know. Maybe they thought I heard you paint houses would be harder to put on top ten lists. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, but is that all you have to say about? Yeah, I'm Irishman? done with it. All right. Well, my most overrated film is uh, Joker, directed by Todd Phillips. Um, Joker, not on either of our top tens. Uh, I need no. to point out. Nope. And I'll tell you why. Tell me it's why. It's not good. Tell me why. When this movie. We don't get in trouble for that, do we? Uh, no one listens to this. It's fine. Okay. Um. When this movie came out, like, we saw it in theaters. When I first saw it, like, literally like, walking out of the theater, I was like, that was really good. I really enjoyed that. And then when I got home and just the more that I thought about it, I was like, no, I don't like that. <laughs> I think I was, I, was, uh, I was blinded by all the style that it made me, re- made me think there was substance when there is not. But I was like, whatever. You know, audiences like it. That's fine. They can enjoy it. Yeah. Whatever. But now it keeps getting nominated for things. <laughs> and I'm just so confused because this movie to me is so derivative. Like it literally, literally, speaking of Scorsese, it literally just takes the aesthetic of Taxi Driver. It takes Taxi Driver and King Comedy, mashes them together into one film, and then is like, Oh, don't you like it? Don't you like it? It looks like these two other things that are good. Doesn't that make it good, too? Yeah. Like, answer me this question. Why does that movie take place in the 70s? It takes place in the 70s? Yeah, it's a very 70s aesthetic. You know why? Because Taxi Driver was in the 70s. Wait. That's the only reason. The movie doesn't take place in the 70s, does it? It's a very 70s. Yeah, it's like, well, because it's Gotham City, but there's like the, the, um, Garbage Men Are on Strike, which is like a very famous thing that happened in New York City in the 70s. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a very 70s aesthetic. It's a very taxi driver aesthetic. And it's no, very I mean, taxi I understand driver that. plot. I understand that. I just didn't think it took place in the 70s. I feel crazy. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, for me, there's just, there's no, you know, I was saying before, like, what I really love is a movie that, I mean, this is a somewhat genre movie. It's a superhero movie. It's a supervillain movie. Um, and I love, I love a movie that, even if it's genre, it has, like, something to say. This movie has nothing to say. This movie, the only thing this movie has to say is, don't I remind you of these other movies that you like? That's what it has to say. It's not about anything. It says, honestly, some very dangerous things that I think, like, everyone's getting all high on their horses about, like, oh, it didn't incite all the violence that we thought was going to incite. But I think that it, it, it encourages, it, like, validates a lot of feelings validates. validates a lot of feelings that some dangerous people can have. And so I just think that, and I don't mean people with mental illness. I'm not, I honestly think that it doesn't handle mental illness well at all because it kind of like draws a direct line between mental illness and like being psychotic, which are two different things. Well, okay. But anyway, like I'm just saying that like, 
there's plenty of people with mental illness that don't do the things that he ends up doing in this movie is what I'm trying to say. I know, but I don't think that's what they're trying to say. No, but I think they do draw a pretty direct line of him having his meds taken away to him I mean, no, going I think, on a murderous rampage. Well, no, I think the injustice it is like, I don't think we know, I don't think anyone was asking for a movie where they're making us feel for a school shooter. Right. That's like, what this is. Exactly. No, I mean I agree. Like it's like we're trying to we're trying to see who these people are, what brings them to the things they do. But like don't I don't know, like doesn't the news do a good enough job at that or like the I don't know, documentaries? Like mm-hmm. why do we have to put it as the the, the supervillain? Well, like I don't And the thing too, I mean like there's a there's a growing trend now in reporting on mass shootings where they don't report on anything about the shooter because so many of these shooters do do this yeah. for the notoriety, for the fame that they're trying to like curb that. So then it just feels like to like raise this character up flies in the face of that. And I also think that the film lacks the courage to really like definitively say this is a really bad person. It wants you to stay on his side for too long. And I think that undermines anything that it could have said about it. Right. By like only him hurting the people that we don't like. Right. That kind of thing. It justifies. Right. Pretty much everyone we see him kill has been so incredibly over the top awful to him that it can be justified in the, in a film narrative type way. Um, and I just don't find that interesting. I don't think, I think that it lacked courage is really like my biggest thing. I think if it would have, um, I mean, I, I guess I don't. Want, I guess I don't care if I give things away because I think most people have probably seen this movie. It's one of the top ten films of the year. But like, I think that they imply heavily that he kills Zazie Beetz's character. Yes, that's like the turn, right? And I think that if they had had the courage to actually show that happening, I wouldn't have as many problems as I have. But they didn't show it because I think that would have like definitively yeah. turned the exactly. audience against him. And they, they didn't want that. And they didn't want that, which I'm like, but, but even what were you doing? It's directly implied she's dead. Yes. There's no, there's no, you know, and in their butts about it. Right. I think. Is that the whole, never mind, go ahead. Oh no, I was my, like summing up. I, I can't remember who said this now. It was some, it was a letterbox review, but I can't remember who said it. But like what I think sums it up the best is like, this is not a movie about a misanthrope. This is a misanthropic film. This is not about someone who feels like the world is against them, so they act out in rage. This is literally the world is against him in this film. The way that this film portrays it. Oh, yeah. The world is against him, and he acts out accordingly, mm-hmm. which yeah. I don't like. <laughs> no, I think, I think that's 100% true. I don't need to go to the movies to see what white male rage looks like, you know? Yeah, you can just see it at home. Well, yeah, you can turn on the new. I mean, we're surrounded by... The after effects of that every single day. No, and I mean, if they said something interesting, I'd be fine with it, but they didn't. I want to point out one thing, though. This is, it was on the top 10 of the box office, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So it is a movie like a lot of eyeballs have seen. And people like it. People don't like it. You have very strong feelings about it. Mm-hmm. I respect it for doing that. I respect it for being a, for it being a populist movie and divisive at the same but time. But do you think any of it was intentional? I don't think that this divisiveness was like intentional, though. I think that I think I think in putting a movie out about Joker mm-hmm. is yeah, you have intentions regardless. I think it was sure. a ba- like honestly, I think it was a bad idea before it ever happened. The only thing I truly did like about the movie was I mean, I love the aesthetics. Sure. I thought the the cinematography and the and the costume design, everything was like production design was great. 
Yeah, no, it looked good. But and I will yeah, say, otherwise Joaquin it did not hold Phoenix's me. performance is great. Yeah, and I was like utterly pissed with the Zazzy Beats thing because it insulted me that they had to like do these like flashbacks and explain things. Oh, yeah, things. that was like, annoying. Honestly, and I was like, on, for, for people who enjoyed it and didn't catch, like, they're just playing on a dumb audience. Mm hmm. Like it's that's all that is, and it's it's that's kind of where the movie like finally lost me, which is like what thirty minutes before the end. I was yeah. trying to give it a good go, and then obviously some of the stuff it sounds so stupid, but some of the stuff where it's just directly tying to Batman like took me out. Oh, but that's yeah, just I so. Hate, but that's not fair because that's what. Yeah, like yeah, how many exactly. times we have to watch these people die? I know, man. Oh, I think the world knows. Why yeah. Batman became Batman. Right. And I mean, like, you don't need it. You just show the Waynes going down an alley. You don't even have to show anything. Everybody knows what happens to them yep. when they go oh. down that alley. Like, you don't need it. Yeah. Again, it felt like so, like, pain. Oh, do you get it? Do you get it? This right. is it. This we're, is it, guys. We're, we're probably spending too much time. Yeah. I want to stop talking about this movie. I don't okay. even like. All right. What's the next category, Devin? Well, let's let's bring it back up again and talk about the movie I thought was underrated. Underrated. Yes. Okay. Again, it could be underrated by audiences, by critics. Your choice. Dealer's I choice. think this might apply to both, especially uh, some of the like horror fan community, which is probably male dominated, and that is going to be Sophia Tacal's Black Christmas. I fucking loved this movie. It just got. It literally was on my ten, and I pushed it back at the last minute for the show, so it became eleven. Um, but I truly love this movie. And you know what? It'll probably be on my top 10 list next week. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but I seriously loved it. It is nothing like the original, which great. Like, I, I almost sort of do wish it got a different name. Yeah. Instead of, like, tr like trying to seem like it's a remake or whatever the of the original. Get made now. I know. <laughs> and I agree with that. But this movie was, like, by the way, this movie was, like, shot in June and came out on December 13th. Oh, wow. So, like, yeah, there are some imperfections. Sure. But overall, the cast is great. It is the most fucking awesome feminist punch in the fucking gut movie. I like I'm so happy it exists. Maybe I like I wish you were with me when I saw this movie <laughs> alone at 9:30 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Uh <laughs> you would love it and I know you're going to love it when we do end up watching it mm -hmm. together. But it, it just it does everything Obviously heavy-handed, but, like, in such a cool way that, like, that doesn't even fucking matter. This is a movie made for teenage girls to, like, know what the fuck to look out for. Like, this movie is just to get the teenagers who are the ones going to see these horror movies, to get them and, fuck, you know what, put a little bit of knowledge in them. Because they're going to recognize a lot of these things the characters are going through, and then, you know, maybe how to more appropriately deal with some situations. Uh... It's really freaking cool. But basically, just to give a little bit of, a little bit of a summary, um, it's very modern in the fact that there is a there the, the college they go to. I forget what it's called. I'm sorry, some guy's name, right? Um, he owned a slave, <laughs> so some of the students, a lot of the students on campus, did a petition and got the bust of this uh, founder removed from like the student center area or whatever and brought to a fraternity house. Well, it ends up having this magical powers that, that like, basically, you know, when men feel threatened by women, it it's out there to have a, a man's world, okay? It gives us these male-dominated powers, and these women have to fight back and uh, fix things. 
and it's it's really cool. And uh, some of the reviews I've seen from from friends and just like people in horror is like they wish it was bloodier. Which sure, it's like a horror movie. You expect a little bit of blood, but Sophia makes such a great choice in not adding more violence towards women. So yes, you see the beginnings of this girl's about to be taken, and yes, yeah, she's going to be killed. But we don't see a drop of blood. We don't see any severe struggle, or because I think we've seen enough of that. Mm-hmm. I think she's Especially seen enough more, of yeah. that. Yeah, and uh, it just does things in, in, in more interesting ways. And yeah, it gets there's a little bit of blood later in the movie. It gets kind of crazy, but but in all the right ways. This is just a fun ride. Yeah, it has a message. Um, I like when horror or any kind of genre movies do that. Um, and it works really well. And the biggest thing, that's the reason I'm saying it's, it's underrated, is I think it is a really good movie. I think it's really important for young people, to, especially, to see this. And it's really disappointing at how the audiences, especially fans of the original or whatever, are fucking pissed about it. Because Black Christmas, the, the 1970s Canadian movie, is amazing. It is, a, it is a fantastic movie. And I feel like they're comparing it, and I don't know why. To do this, literally, it probably the only reason it got money was because of the name. So, mm-hmm. um, I just think again, big swing, and it it really paid off. And uh, I hope to see more from Sophia Tikal. For sure, I'm looking forward to seeing it. All right, my most underrated film for this year was a movie that I consider putting on my top ten, but um, but also was in, and that is Queen and Slim, directed by Melina Matsukas. This, again, was a movie that I was, like, super, super pumped to see. I was so excited to see this movie. Just from the trailers, it just looked beautiful, first of all. Like, mm-hmm. it just looks great. And um, and it was. And I think that I think it's weird to me. Like, I kind of get why it's not getting more buzz. Although, I think it did pretty good box off of what. I know it stayed around here yeah. for a long time. Yeah, at least a month, yeah. Yeah, so... um. Which is which indie films don't do around here a lot, but um, but I think you know Melina Matsukis has a, a long history doing music videos, but this is her first feature uh, directorial debut, and then it was written by Lena Waithe, who has written for yeah. TV, obviously, but this was her first film that she had written, and I think that you can kind of feel that it is a first effort on both their parts. Yeah. I think that there's some pacing issues. I think that um, it's heavy on message and. And character development, but it's a little a little light on plot. But um, but I just think that for me, it was so. I mean, ultimately that's why I didn't make my top ten. But I still think it was so visually beautiful and powerful. And I think the the performances by Daniel Kaluuya and Joni Turner Smith, I think is her name, um, were great, fantastic. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And I think it's it's again it's one of those things where I mean these are it's a filmmaker to look out for. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited to see what she does next. I'm very excited to see, I mean, Jodie Schneider Smith, I haven't really seen in anything before this. I think this was one of her first things and I'm very excited to see what she does next. Um, so for me, yeah, like I think that it should be getting a lot more recognition for, for certain technical aspects, but, um, but it's great. And it mostly just has me very excited about what all of these filmmakers do in the future. Absolutely. I don't, you know, I wish I could, I almost, I do really kind of want to rewatch Queen of Slim. Um, I don't know wh- how to put my finger on it, but yeah, it wasn't really too near my top ten, even though I did really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think a lot of the, 
I think a lot of the the freshman effort stuff certainly played a role. Like I wish some things like I remember watching it and just being like, eh, I don't know about this part, you know, or whatever. And I think the story overall was maybe a little bit too predictable. Um, even though I didn't see the end come, I don't know how to explain it. But yeah. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? We kind of knew where this was going. Yeah, and I also think uh, that was kind of the point, the point, though, too. Yeah. I. But that doesn't make it. Sure. Interesting to me. Sure. Uh, I guess. Um, I kind of want to be more surprised. But yeah, I I love the characters in it. The characters were great. The uncle. <laughs> yeah. Is, uh, any I love him. Anything I see him in, I, he's always he always elevates it. Um, and I don't want to like come off the wrong way, but. I really do love a good sex scene in a movie. Oh, yeah, this is a good sex scene. It is like a <laughs> fucking hot sex scene, and it's filmed extremely well. It's erotic without being, like, there's no male gaze. Like, no, uh, it's directed by Well, yeah, it's directed by a woman. It certainly helps. <laughs> but it's, like, erotic without being, like, there to just be there. It works for the characters. It works. It just works. And... Honestly, if you could do a sex scene right, I applaud you. If you just have a sex scene, it's like, okay. But like, is this the 90s? Why is this here? Right. It's like, there doesn't need to be a sex scene in every goddamn movie. But like, uh, I just thought it worked really well here. The photography, the, I mean, the color story of this movie is just it's so good. Cause, and it, it works so well because of the ebony skin. Like, yeah, it just, oh my God. Yes. They filmed that. I mean, they, it's beautiful. It's, uh, it's great eyeball juice, dude. Uh, I really do want to watch this again. And kind of tailor more of what, yeah. what what I have a problem with, what I like about it, maybe what I don't. Um, well, and I will but. say, you know, we were talking about how, like, The Irishman isn't exactly for us because of our age. And I think that this film 100% is not for us because yeah. of our caucasity. But, um, is that a word? I, I like it. I do too. <laughs> if it's not a word, we need. I need to call Miriam or Webster and uh, get this worked in. But um, I do think that like <laughs> caucasity needs to be the word. <laughs> no, hold on, that needs to be the word that's like I know I'm white. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like exactly like maybe uh, due to my caucasity, <laughs> right. I understand right. that Queen and Slim is for you. You know, <laughs> but that's just I think that, and I think that maybe that's why you're not like I think you know there are some issues with it just as a freshman effort, like you said. But I think maybe yeah. too one of the reasons that you don't see it on a lot of the top ten lists and a lot of critics talking about it is because a lot of film critics. Are also white, and so yeah. there's less of that. And I think a lot of the reason that it did stay here as long as it did is because there is an audience here that was enjoying it. Obviously, so I don't think that can be just kind of know why people aren't talking about it either. No, fair, fair. I do actually recall the number one problem I had with it: hmm. the dialogue. I thought a lot of the dialogue was wrong. Yeah. Um. That is sorry. Just when you were talking about that, I just remember I went back. I was trying to think of like the plot of this movie, and I went back to the first scene. I remember being taken out within the first scene and being like, "Lena Waithe, really? Like, I'm surprised. It felt such like a first draft of a write." Um, yeah. Sorry, I don't mean to like. I'm not trying. We're not trying to shit on this movie. I'm sorry. No, I do I, think. I mean, I don't. I I'm not really that familiar with Lena Waithe's writing. Like, obviously, I've seen Master of None, but I've never watched like The Shy or anything, so I don't know. Like. Uh, <laughs> what her dramatic writing is more like, but yeah, I was I don't the writing the dialogue was a little hit or miss, but yeah, but I think the the characters were great. I think the story in and of itself, I think it takes like that uh, Bonnie and Clyde trope, which has become oh. like you know a trope, when they and and the really yeah. has something new to say with it. And when to, they meet the photographer kid, and like all I mean, that. yeah, and that that photo, which is like the. <sighs> 
movie poster as well is yeah. just like such a great freaking picture. I like I can't. God damn! Now I kind of want this back in my top ten. I know. Now I'm like talking about more. I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much to like about this, but I also just remember leaving like. That was good. I wanted it to be great. Yeah. I think, and I maybe, like I said, I was very, very excited for this movie because, like I said, Melina Matsukas has a history in uh, music videos and specifically a history of Beyonce videos. And so I was very, very excited about it. Um, And so maybe, like, I just was overhyped for it and was yeah, let yeah, down. Yeah. And sometimes, I do think uh, that if we rewatched it, I might yeah, have a better I don't think it was sense. overhyped, though, because I feel like we share a lot of the same... Uh, you know, criteria and things. And yeah. I was not overly hyped, so. Well, I'm saying I was super excited. No, but I'm saying I think we left with, like, the same feeling, but I yeah. was not overly hyped, so oh, I don't okay. know if, like, I, so I think it it, like I, I, think I wouldn't blame too. it on yeah. just being, like, super excited about okay. it. It's probably our caucasity is honestly the big yeah. issue. Yeah, well, was too white for that movie. <laughs> such, such is life, I guess. Yes. <laughs> Alrighty, enough about good things again. What was your most disappointing film of 2019? I mean, do you know what it is? I do know what it is. Okay. Yeah. So, so uh, okay. you know, I actually don't know how much I talk about that on the show. So That's true. I'm just going to give it a little bit of history. If, I, if there was one movie in 2018 that I was looking so forward to in 2019, this is what defines this category for me, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I would have told you the same movie for 2020 and 2018. All right, and I would have told you the same movie for 2020 and 2017. And I would have told you the same, you know, you get the pattern. It's Star Wars Episode Nine, Rise of Skywalker. Ugh. Bad, bad, bad. You know, I'm not even going to try to be professional about it. This movie, like, fucking sucks. <laughs> and uh, I tried to like it. First time I was let down. My buddy Dave's like, oh, dude, don't worry. Like, he's a big Halloween fan. And he was like, when I first saw the new Halloween, Halloween 2018, He's like, I was kind of let down, but then I immediately saw it again. I was like, well, now I know what to expect. And he's like, I got to enjoy it more. He's like, all my expectations were now out the window. Um, I just got to sit there and enjoy it. So I was looking to do that same thing with Rise of Skywalker. Uh, you know, it was honestly like watching it for the first time again and like not in a good way. Like things still just didn't land for me. Uh, I was just as far- I literally forgot whole scenes because they're so not important. <laughs> Um, and it's so funny because, and Devin would probably agree with this. I think the last, Je- the last Jedi, the previous Star Wars entry, is a masterpiece. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like a lot of people think this is the masterpiece they were waiting for. The last Jedi sucked. It's so, it's such a weird, living a weird time to be a Star Wars fan right now. Um, but I mean, everybody knows this is a, this is constant news right now. There's just issues with it. I think there's so many issues with it. I don't think. I don't think JJ's vision is clear. I don't think the editing makes much. The story just, it's all crowd pleasing. You know, everybody knows the whole thing. I don't need to talk about it more, but it is like just literally the most disappointing Balder. I could talk, I mean, I could talk another hour and a half about this, but I'm going to save it. We've had long conversations between we, the two of us we have. about what's like, wrong we with this movie. The longest conversation we've ever had after a movie, which you think we yeah. would discuss movies more thoroughly, but this is the longest one we've ever had um, was about Rise of Skywalker. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's my biggest disappointment in the last five years, let alone this year. Yeah, I know. I'm very sad for you. Yeah. But, Devin, what's your most disappointing movie? I mean, honestly, I think Rise of Skywalker is the most disappointing, but I, I figured you'd be talking about that, so I picked another movie as well, uh, and that is Uncut Gems by the Safety Brothers. Um, I loved good time when did good time come out like two years ago yeah 
I loved that movie. That was on my top 10 movie of the year for that year, whatever year that was. And, um, I was very excited about Uncut Gems and then it was getting like, it's, it was getting crazy hype by the time we got to see it. And I was like, so excited. Um, and then I go to it and it just, it was what I liked about Good Time. It is like that adrenaline stress you out, like edge of your seat, don't know where it's going type story with a, with a main character who is, uh, not good and not making good choices and making choices that directly harm every person he comes into contact this with. This is her. I know. <laughs> her is. smell. Sorry. Her smell. Her smell. Her. And, uh, I mean, that's a good time. And that's what Uncut Gems is too. But I think that with Good Time, what I was lacking in Uncut Gems that Good Time had was, uh, was any sort of heart, was any sort of like any one person I could care about in this movie. In Uncut Gems, there's not, there's no reason for me to want Adam Sandler's character to succeed because anytime he does succeed, he just fucks it up again. There's like no, and it's just such a never ending roller coaster about a person that I do not care about at all that it just ends up feeling yeah. pointless. It's like, so you just stressed me out for two hours. For why? Yeah. That's really how I came away from it. Like I said, I think Good Time does a very similar thing, but has, um, while he's making bad choices, he has good intentions. He just is not. You know, I, I agree. I think that's the best way to put it. Like, you know, you know me, and like with this podcast, I've had problems with, I mean, I hate to bring up Scorsese, because I like Martin Scorsese. But you know, there's not my, from what I've there's my problem with Raging Bull. Yes. And it's mainly in the fact that uh, Jake is not likable to any degree. Right. And then there's Goodfellas, and I don't think uh, Ray, Henry, Hill. Henry, yeah, is likable. And I, I'm tired, like, of the antihero. Well, I really I, am. Like, yeah, I couldn't even call Adam Sandler's character this an antihero, though. I mean, that's true. There's, there's no hero. He's, he's trying just, to keep his family, but like, not good. Like, not. He's not really trying to keep his family. All he's together. trying to do is, is get an adrenaline rush. Yeah. He yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying chaos. to like say any kind of humanistic real thing. Like right. he doesn't try to do like, and I'm just so tired of seeing that. Like, I don't care to watch bad people being bad. Like there's enough of that in the fucking world on the news. Like, right. I don't need to go see fucking escapism to not escape. Right. Like, uh, good time. I couldn't agree more with you about cause and I also think his, Good Time... His brother, like... Yeah. It's it's beautiful. And I think Good Time had something to say, too, about... It had a lot to say about white privilege. hmm Which I found extremely interesting. And I don't think... Uh, Uncut Gems doesn't have anything to say about anything. Not... I mean... I mean, there's yeah. a little... I guess there's still some stuff about white privilege in there, but I think that it's... It's uh, very much on, like, a back, back, back burner. I don't think it's saying anything... To help anybody. I think no. it's, it's commenting. It's like the joke. It's like Joker. It's commenting on things that exist in this world. Mm-hmm. But is it offering a solution? Is it offering a viewer to be a better person out of it? Like, no, not it's really. Not, it's not offering any sort of take on it. It's just like, yeah. these are, they're, this type of person exists in the world. It's highlighting. It isn't this crazy. It's just highlighting, yeah. Yeah. I agree. No, I agree. Most That's disappointing good, film. Good choice. I like that yeah. we got to talk a little bit more about Uncut Gems. Good. Yeah, I think I've noticed a theme in my in my top ten. It's it's a it's filmmaking, it's um, class or society, mm-hmm. um, and relationships has kind of been the 
the strong things for me. Like I would say, a good movie about filmmaking, I'll always enjoy. Right. right? Yeah. Artistry in general, like mm-hmm. Honey Boy, not necessarily just about filmmaking, but just about artistry in general. Souvenir, same, right? Mm-hmm. But the 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 new one that to my list this year, I think relationships will always be there too. Is 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 uh, class and society, and I hope we get. I hope that's not just a trend for 2019, but continues to next year. Well, that is such a great intro for our final what? category of what the most relevant film. Oh. Our whole our whole premise of our podcast is um, it takes 10 years to really determine what a movie's impact is on culture. But we're throwing that out the window today and saying, in 10 years, what movie do we think will be the most relevant? And for me, I actually picked a spat of films because, like you were saying, it is like a very... There were so many films that came out this year that were about class and privilege. Yeah. Because that's, you know, a lot of what's going on right now. And so for me, those were the films that I picked. I, I, I cheated like you do on your list. Well, that's not fair. I picked, uh, I picked, I picked a bunch of them. I picked uh, Parasite, Us, Knives Out, Hustlers. I'm sure there were a lot of other films that I'm forgetting right now. Those are the ones I had in front of me when I was making this okay. list. Ready or Not. Um, I think that that is... is the fact that there's so many films coming out with that, and obviously, I think films, it's kind of like a weird medium because it takes so long to make a film. Films are always going to be like a couple of years behind what's going on culturally. But um, I think we're definitely seeing an instance now where where privilege is being more openly discussed than it has been in the past. And, and I think that's a good legacy for 2019 to have. I love that. Is this how we usually tackle this category? Because I would just do in the film that's going to be watched... Oh, 10 okay. years from now. You can do that, too. Damn. <laughs> How, is that, I feel like you change it up on me. No, that's how but I for good, I love it. it. Oh, okay. okay. Well, I love it. I love Thanks. it. Well said. Thank you. Couldn't agree with you more. I think we talked about a lot of those things throughout the episode, mm-hmm. too. So um, so I was just combing my top 10 through for, like, the movie that, like, I think is still going to be, like, watched. Like, I think it's going to be watched by someone who's maybe... 10 right now but we'll be 20 okay i mean that's a great way to look at it but and i think i think the one movie on my list that i think will stand the test of the next 10 years is my number five little women oh it might have been my number six i can't remember exactly but (laughs) i think little women is the type of movie that families and young ones and teenagers and college students and young 20-somethings and those 30-somethings and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think everyone is going to keep watching that movie. I, Just yeah. like people do with the 1990s Little Women. Just mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? But, the story has already proved the Yes, the, pr- the story has proved the type of time. What, what Greta Gerwig does with this one mm-hmm. just adds to it. You know what I mean? It's not mm-hmm. just taking and, and repurposing it's adding a new voice and more to say to it that I think will resonate. Mm-hmm. I think, from Hero. yeah, what I want to say about it too, before I got so emotional when I was talking about it, but what you were saying too, what like gives it its longevity is, you know, when I was watching that film as a kid, you know, I obviously was getting one thing from it and now watching it again as like a 30 year old with that story. I think it is so much about like the way we reflect upon our childhood through somewhat rose colored glasses, which is, um, depicted through the use of color between the flashbacks and the and the 
present day, which I think is like such a beautiful touch. But I think it like I got so much more out of it now as a 30 year old, as someone who can look back on my childhood as opposed to like living in my childhood when I was watching the 90s version. Like, I think like movies like that are the things that send the test of time when you come back to it at a different age and you can see a whole different kind of story just based on where you are in your life. So I think that's a good thing. Amen. Pick. You might be a different character next time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah, I went from being an Amy to being. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's just the movie. It's just the most like class. I feel like a lot of the films I picked are are more artistic. Mm-hmm. And and the way I look at those films is like I I appreciate them. Are they always going to be rewatched by me? No, not nece- necessarily. But I take like solace in knowing that. They are somebody's favorite movie. And that a movie like that will, like, change their life to some degree. Like, I hope One Cut in the Dead inspires some young kids, not only in Japan, but around the world, to make a shitty horror movie on their parents' you know, fucking video camera. I hope, you know... Uh, right. Whatever, I can go on and on. Um, but I think, like, again, looking at like, a title like Little Women, even though it's not even my favorite movie, it's not in my top five or whatever, or, you know top of my list i just think that's the movie that like will get the most played mm-hmm. you know out of our relationship and like just will go on to to live more and more lives absolutely i think people will be excited to share it with other people to share it with young ones and just i don't know get that going all right we're reaching irishman levels of of length in this podcast episode and we oh, still have yeah, to get yeah. to our our oscar predictions oh shit that's what this whole podcast is about is oscars you ready? Yeah. So we're not doing every category because otherwise we would be here for another five hours. So um, this is the rapid fire Oscar <laughs> round. Let's go. Sound mixing. Go. No, just kidding. <laughs> we're not talking about that. Um, we're just going to highlight, you know, the categories that uh, that people like to discuss. <laughs> so first up, the first category we're going to discuss is cinematography. And the nominees are. Quickly. Uh, I'll just read the movies. The Irishman. <laughs> oh, wow. You're like the. <laughs> Yep, The Irishman, Joker, The Lighthouse, 1917, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. There is an ellipsis there, so that's what that reading was. Um, what do you think should win that category, Kyle? You're my cinematography expert. <laughs> uh, I know you're a Roger Deakins stan. I'm a what? A Roger Deakins stan. What does that mean? I don't. You said you're saying that earlier with Beyonce. I was just like, what is she saying? Did it she just have means a you're like a huge fan of them. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh, like Stan. Mm-hmm. Like I'm an. Okay. Yeah, it combines like stalker it. and fan, but. Yeah, I get it. It just means you're like a huge fan. Um, honestly, like again, I enjoyed the cinematography of Joker. I really did. I know. It's derivative. Uh. 1970. <laughs> I don't it's like th- you don't want to give it any credit for anything. I don't think it's that good. Like you don't think the cinematography. I don't. I think the cinematography would encompass scene like camera with, movement the scene too, with right? The, sure. No, that's oh. camera operation. Well, okay. Wait. Yes. Like technically, you're right. Sorry. Okay. Technically, you're right. Because that was impressive. I'm just thinking about Roger Deakins and his light. Like the flare scene was everything to me. That was one of the most beautiful but things yeah. I've ever seen. But yeah, like, <laughs> and like the technicality of that, it's just my problem is, is that movie is all style. Like, 
That's the only thing that makes that movie work. That is the most boring fucking script. Like, I just, you only make that movie because you already planned a one-shot, right? Like, that's all you're trying to do. You're fitting a story around a one-shot. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, the fact that a plane almost fucking hits that, like, it's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. 1917 is not a good movie. We can talk about it more when we're talking about okay. movies. Talk about the cinematography. Cinematography. I mean, probably Roger Deakins for 1970. <laughs> My vote would go to The Lighthouse. It'll never win. It's really cool but that I think it got it's nominated. Bold. Yes, I think it's bold. I think it did really cool things. Um, it almost makes me wish there was still an Oscar, a cinematographer for color and cinematographer for black and white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It would have that one sewn up. <laughs> it would have it, yeah. Um, but no, this is a tough category for me. I'm not completely settled, but I do totally understand if the Academy gives it to Roger Deakins. Yeah. I, I just think, think he's definitely deserved it more for things in the past. Well, he's been nominated, what, like 20-something times? I don't think it's that many. but oh. Well, I think it's in the high teens, at least. And uh, he just won recently for Blade Runner, right? 2049. Yeah. But uh, I think he's going to add number two to his shelf. And I yeah. think it's well-deserved. So It is. I don't know if I 100% agree with it yet. Okay. But I, I think the odds are for it. I do. I will say The Lighthouse, which was Jaren Blaschke, was uh, was also very good. But I, it's not going to win. It was an honor for that to be nominated. But <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, if you're marking your ballots, you should definitely go with... Uh, Roger Deakins for 1917. All right, next category is original screenplay. And the nominees are Ryan Johnson for Knives Out, Noah Baumbach for Marriage Story, Sam Mendes and Christy Wilson Cairns for 1917, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Wait. and Bong Joon Ho and Jun. What? I'm sorry. Jun Han. 1917 got a screenplay nomination. Yes. Sorry, guys. This is very fresh for us. We literally saw this movie this afternoon before wanting to record the podcast. Uh, yes. And just in case anyone didn't hear because I was interrupted, the last nominee was Parasite, Bong Joon-ho, and get Jin Wan-han. They all know. Okay. Uh, but yeah, 1917 was nominated for Best Original okay. Screenplay. That's fine. Who do you think should win that category? Not 1917. <laughs> I picked no, up on um, that. I'm kind of torn. Like, I don't really care about Tarantino, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip that. Like. We'd, we that's another discussion. I can't believe we haven't talked about Once Upon a Time. I know. Well, it wasn't honestly. on any of our lists or our honorable no, mentions. No, it certainly was not. But <laughs> but it's not it's not a direct hatred. I just the movie's whatever for me. It's two thirds um, of a great movie. Bong Joon Ho. Again, to say that everything we said earlier were like technically it's a masterpiece, I would certainly not be upset if it went to Parasite. I don't think it will, being a foreign language film. I just don't think there's much precedence for that. Mm-hmm. But I encourage it. Cool. I'll be glad. Obviously, I think the two contenders for us are between Marriage Story and, um, what was the first one you said? Knives Out. Knives Out, thank you. Ryan mm-hmm. Johnson, Knives Out. Um, I think an argument could be made for both of those where, like, Knives Out had to do a lot of, like, research, a lot of homaging, right? Like, uh, grab from a lot of places yeah, and, and tie this whole story together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I, I think it's, it's, it's crazy to say that's not a perfect script. Like, it's a really great script. Yes. Um, Marriage Story on the hand, I feel is very so. I think uh, Noah Baumbach put his like blood, sweat, and tears on the page, yes. um, to create a super tight. Like I think, I think Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson and the other cast members obviously elevated the words, but I think it started with really fleshed out characters on the page. Itself. Oh yeah, I was, they have like a video going around like Facebook or wherever where like it has like the script next to like that that yeah, fight yeah, scene yeah. and like none of that is improvised. It's all 100% like every beat, oh, wow. every pause, every talking over each other was on the page. What's that called? Do you know? I'd like to recommend that. 
I, forget I don't what, know. I forget what that comes. It's something like page to screen or something, yeah, something like that. Like you know that, what I mean? Yeah. It's really good stuff. But though. yeah, like every single thing was on the page. Okay. Which I found really interesting because that that fight does feel so like organic that you could see it being somewhat improvised. Like even somewhat, the beats. All the beats, That's like fucking all of them, the, every part where they're talking over each yeah. other, every part where like, yeah, it's all yeah. on the page, which is great, which is very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, for me, if I got to vote on it, if I got to pick the winner solely by myself, which the Academy should consider. Um, <laughs> I agree, baby. I would, I would, it would be between Knives Out and Marriage Story, but I think I might give it to, uh, I know it's, uh, I don't know. I know I said Knives Out was like the best written film of the year, but I might give it to Noah Baumbach for Marriage Story. I just appreciate it because it does a lot of the same stuff. Like obviously not mm-hmm. the mystery element, Yeah. but it ties a very well-calculated story together and it does it from more of a personal place of love and torture Mm -hmm. like i just like i have to admire more of the process for that than to come up with like a fun yarn sure and i do like writing the fact that all of that is on the page like writing dialogue that sounds natural is not easy honestly so like yeah good for him yeah. So we picked Nora Bumbach. Um, who do I think will win? I think Quentin Tarantino, Tarantino will win. Yeah. I think he pretty much wins that category every time it's nominated in it. So. Yeah. And I don't think that he's gonna win some other categories. So I think they'll give it Absolutely. to him here. I do. Just like they do every other time he's nominated. <laughs> I, I would have to agree. All right. The nominees for best adapted screenplay: we got Steven Zalian for The Irishman, Tika Waititi for Jojo Rabbit. Another movie we didn't talk about. Oh, uh, that's so true for such a wonderful movie. It right? was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, Todd Phillips and Scott Silver for Joker, Greta Gerwig for Little Women, and Anthony McCartan for The Two Popes. Hmm. So, two Popes is our blind spot here. Yeah, we have not seen The Two Popes yet. Um, Which is sad. It's on Netflix, right? Yeah. I mean, we should watch. I've heard that it's good. I've heard that um, you don't have to be Catholic to enjoy it. So, Oh, perfect. Yeah. Um, obviously, I think uh, clearly I am rooting for Greta Gerwig in this category. And I also think that she has a pretty good chance in this category. Especially, I think, you know, for us right now, we're recording this. The nomination just came out earlier this week. And there's already been a lot of, you know, people upset about no female directors being nominated. And, like, that comes down to her not being nominated. Because I don't think any other female directors really, like... No other female-directed films were nominated for Best Picture. So I think that the main thing is that she wasn't know. nominated. We need to talk about that, too. Because I feel like the farewell getting snubbed out of everything is, like, oh, yeah, heartbreaking. It's, a, it's messed up. But I think that, you know, a lot of a lot of the talk about not no female directors being nominated is like turning into like Greta Gerwig not being nominated. And so I think that could help her in a campaign to then win for screenplay, which historically screenplay does oftentimes go to a film that people are like, Oh, this isn't going to win any of the other awards. It's up to like, it's not going to win best picture. It's not going to win best director. It's not going to win whatever, but we'll give you screenplay is oftentimes how that category is used. Yeah. So what do you think? Although um, I've also, I don't know, I've heard talk about the Irishman winning. Like, yeah, I mean, I think I, th- I think this one's kind of up in the air. Um, I think there's an argument for several of the films. Uh, what I kind of love is, like, obviously Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig being a couple, mm-hmm. I think is amazing, because they have to give each other notes, right? I would imagine. And I just want to think that they each, like, help elevate the other person's work. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see them both. I think that'd be awesome. I <laughs> do. I would love if they had little but I think Oscar bookends for their I do shelves. think I do think there's an argument to be made to give her the award. Um, I hope she doesn't take it as some kind of consolation prize. 
An Oscar is an Oscar. But yeah, an Oscar is an Oscar. It'll help with a lot of things. Yes. And, and I think she's a, she's a very good writer. I agree. I think this adaptation is very well written. I think if so. this was just voted on by writers, it would go to The Irishman. Um, I don't think Joker really stands a chance. I don't know. Yeah. This I do think, I don't think it's like a strong, I don't think it's strong competition for either, which I think bodes well. So. Yeah. So I can see Greta taking it easily and I hope for that's, sure. I hope that's the case. I hope so too. That's what I'm looking out for. Um, <clears throat> all right. <clears throat> Next category is supporting actress and the nominees are Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell, Laura Dern for Marriage Story. Scarlett Johansson and Jojo Rabbit, Florence Pugh and Little Women, and Margot Robbie and Bombshell. I'm going to go kind of a different way here. Okay. I don't think Kathy either Bates. of these people are going to win. Okay. But I think this is the year of Florence Pugh. And if she Hells got yeah. nominated for this because of Midsommar, because of what a Little Drummer Boy, like whatever, like if she got nominated for this, like I think that would, what would you look at me like that for? As Little Drummer Girl. But little yeah. Drummer Girl. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> The, the, the drummer boy's the song, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but like, it's just been like a year for oh, the the key, outlaw king, like all this shit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I could give it to her because she's also she's amazing mm-hmm. in Little Women. Also, my other argument would be for Margot Robbie in Bombshell. Margot Robbie's performance in Bombshell is so good. Yeah, it really, really is. And I don't think either of those women are are gonna gather the nominations that probably. Um. Man, my mind is already blanking. But who's going to win? Probably Laura Dern. Laura Dern. Laura Dern. I love me some Dern. Like, I do. I really do. I think her character in Marriage Story is a little too extra (laughs) to be given an Academy Award nomination. That sounds crazy because I love her in it. I do. Mm -hmm. Just. I hate that she's getting it. She's still a toned down version of like Big Little Lies. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. It's just like for that role, I don't know. It doesn't feel. I sound so weird. I know I'm very. I'm being very contradictory of my own self, but I would really like to see either Florence or Margot take it. I agree. Like I love Laura Dern, and I honestly have no problem with her winning because I do love her, and I think that she's an amazing actress. Who I think it's great that her, her career is like having this second coming that's happening right now. The Dernaissance. Like I love it. Um, but I, for me, <laughs> feel the Dern. Feel the Dern. <laughs> For me, the only like quibble that I have with her winning for, for this role in particular is that I feel like her role in Marriage Story is a glorified cameo. She's just yeah. not really in it enough for yes. me. Whereas That's I think what it is. That's what it is. Florence Pugh and Margot Robbie and Scarlett Johansson, even in Jojo Rabbit. We haven't seen Richard Jewell, so I can't speak to Kathy Bates. But um I like to, Dick Jewel is what we're calling it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something Adam Sandler was selling on Cut Gems. Um no, but like those char- those roles are much more substantive and they have a lot more weight to carry. And I think that they all knocked it out of the park. I honestly, I could see Florence Pugh taking it just because she has um, had quite a year. But also she's like 24. So I think that, you know, she has plenty of time to, to keep winning They Oscar. gave it to Lawrence. They did. And she's deserved it several other times since. So they have. That's true. That's true. I think, uh, I think if I was picking, I might give it to Margot Robbie. Or Scarlett Johansson. Honestly, Scarlett Johansson's performance in Jojo Rabbit was so good. And I could see her getting it because I don't think she'll get know, lead right? actress. But I don't know. Dude, so I could see is, her winning this one. This is like the fucking Michelle Williams thing all over again. Like, they deliver two, like, strong yet, like, broken female characters in a movie. 
and then just get. I don't know what you're talking about with Michelle Williams. Oh, sorry. For what? Blue Valentine. Oh, okay. Um, which she was nominated for. Like, I just don't know how we can't see these women, like, who are so many, th- like, I don't know. It's just, I'm sorry. Like, it's just, these type of movies that obviously, like, super appeal to me, and they have these these flawed. We're not talking but, about lead actress right now, Kyle. I know. <laughs> no, I know. Okay. But you were talking about her not getting, and I'm, well, that's my he, that's my huge problem. Sorry, okay. I guess I'll wait. We'll, for the we, next we'll get to that one in a <clears> moment. Sorry, yeah. Save yeah. your thoughts. Uh, so I think, like we said, that's who we think should win. I think Laura Dern probably is on the train to win. But you never know. You never know. A lot can change between now and Oscar night. All right. The next category is supporting actor in a film. The nominees are Tom Hanks in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Anthony Hopkins in The Two Popes, Al Pacino, The Irishman, Joe Pesci, The Irishman, and Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time, in Hollywood. I mean, I... Who should win? Joe Pesci should win. Who's going to win? Brad Pitt's going to win. Your thoughts? Yep. (laughs) Next category. All right. I will say, I think Brad Pitt is good in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Do I, mean, I think he deserves an Oscar for it? Not here's really. the argument I'll give to though is like I do think he's very good in that movie. I think he's one of the redeeming qualities of said movie. Yes, I think they're also throwing in Ad Astra into this mix. Ugh. Then oh I would my. demote points. <laughs> Moving the fuck on. <laughs> he like he's just move on. He speaks he's, in a monotone. He's really good. Don't even do it. Don't even go there. Okay. Don't even go there. You don't understand the male psyche, okay? I don't. <laughs> that movie's not for me. If only there were more movies about men, I think you would understand maybe more about... I Yeah, how... I wish there were more movies about sad dads going out to outer space to work through their daddy issues. Aren't they all about that in a way? they're all about. Damn. Yes. Yep. Wow. Okay. Get it? Because space is a metaphor for the fact that men can't express their own feelings. You don't know what you're talking about, Devin. <laughs> Here we go. Now you can talk all about Michelle Williams for whatever reason. <laughs> the nominees for lead actress. Uh, Cynthia Revo for Harriet. Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story. Sarsha Ronan for Little Women. Charlize Theron for Bombshell. And Renee Zellweger for Judy. For Judy. Judy. No, I'm just tired of like, it's these movies. Now, I know Marriage Story is a bigger movie than it probably would be because it's a Netflix movie. Mm-hmm. If this was a typical New York LA, it would, yeah, it would open release. in like four theaters. Yeah, <laughs> not everyone will be able to talk about this, but like, I was like, until recently, like I'll give it this. When I was going to my Michelle Williams argument, like until recently, I feel like honestly, like women did not get their due if it wasn't in like a popular movie, like a populist movie, like as far as like an acting win, a win. Okay, so like, yeah, Michelle Williams would get nominated, right? But she wouldn't stand a chance of winning because I don't think people really took the time to watch this, like. Oh, this little independent. But the fact is they have to do these independent movies because, like, there weren't good-ass roles like this for women in the Hollywood populist movies. All right. So that was just the end of my thought from before. Okay. I think Scarlett Johansson 100% deserves the award in this category. I think. I agree. I think Jojo Rabbit should be considered. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a great year. Yeah. There are some like, scenes Avengers in Marriage Endgame Story that are fucking acting masterclasses. And, like, there is no reason that people should not be taken. I don't know if it's because she's a Marvel girl. Right. I don't know if it's because it might be because of her comments on, like, whitewashing. Like, I don't know what it is. Maybe she's not liked. I don't know. But, like, 
this is a performance that is just like fucking killer and is losing out to a movie no one's ever fucking seen. So yeah, I, w- I should say we have not seen Judy, so we can't. No one Renee's, has seen Judy. People have seen Judy, and people have seen it. So that Renee Zellweger is very good in it, which I don't, I don't, you know, disbelieve. Like I'm sure she is very good in it. I have no desire to see that movie. She is the favorite at the moment. Cool man, she's playing a fucking uh, celebrity with a drug problem. How fucking original. Sure. But that kind of stuff is Oscar bait. I know. But that's what I get mad about. I'm sorry. I'm being a little too vulgar and too nasty for this. I, I cannot truly judge a performance I have not seen. So I do apologize for that. I just hate when people are just dismissed, I guess, because of. Yeah, it is kind of it sometimes gets very, you know, like boring when when it seems like someone is just racking up all the awards and there's no like real competition like Renee Selberg is just collecting her awards. Yeah. Although we'll point out Glenn Close was doing that last That's year. That's so true. And then did not go home with the Oscars. That's true. Who, so. who took it home last year? Olivia Coleman. That's right. That's right. That was a surprise because she was, yeah. Yeah, because she hadn't won a single other award leading up to it. Yeah. But we'll see. The SAGs are this weekend and the SAGs, um, the SAGs do a good job of predicting who will win the acting Oscars because when it comes to Oscar voting, uh, the actor portion of the Academy is the largest portion still. So you can kind of get a feel for, for who they're voting for from the SAG awards. Um, but I agree with you. I think that Scarlett Johansson deserves it. Uh, everyone else is very good as well too. Yeah. Um, I will say like, I don't know. Like if I was, if I was making the nominations, even I would put Elizabeth Moss for her spell in there and I would put, Lupita Nyong'o in there for us. So. Yeah, I mean, hundred percent. I think those. People I really deserve. think they dropped the ball on this category this year. Yeah. When when you don't have any female directors, like, I don't. It it, it like it hurts my soul. And I know this isn't up to just like some small group body. But it hurts my soul when you can't even take like a best actress category seriously. I know. Like, I don't know. It just it hurt. It's frustrating. Yeah. No, I agree. All right, more frustrations. Nominees for lead actor. Uh, Antonio Banderas, Pain and Glory, Leonardo DiCaprio, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Adam Driver, Marriage Story, Joaquin Phoenix, Joker, Jonathan Price, The Two Popes. I think we should, we could make this one kind of quick. I mean, yeah, I think that Joaquin Phoenix will win. I think that he does give a really great performance. Uh, it's, it's a very scenery-chewing performance. It's a very big performance. It's great. Like, I honestly, like, Joaquin Phoenix is an amazing actor. I have nothing against him, honestly, no matter what I feel about Joker as a film. Personally, I like, I prefer Adam Driver's performance. And maybe even Leonardo DiCaprio's. I think Leonardo DiCaprio's performance, There's... just specifically in that, like, Western scene, yeah, is, no, like, one of the best things I've seen all year. I so know. I, th- I think both those performances give a more layered approach. Yes. However, I mean, I do fully understand if Joaquin takes home the Joaquin, statue. you know, he, uh... It's very much, I mean, it's a comic book movie, and I think it is a very comic book type performance in that it's very, you know, broad and big and brightly colored, and I prefer subtlety, but uh, (laughs) Oscar voters do not, so I expect he'll be taking home his second Oscar that night. All right. Now on to these men directed for Best Director. Congratulations to these These men. men. We got Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, Todd Phillips for Joker, Sam Mendes, 1917, Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. Yep. 
Yep to what? Bong Joon-ho? Yep. No? Yeah, 100%. Yeah? You oh, think no. he's going to win? F- full winner. Oh, wait, no. That's who I want to win. I don't know if oh, that's okay. who's going to win. <laughs> um, that's who I want to win as well. I think that Parasite is the best director film of the year. It so is. I think it you should best director. I think, I think there's flaws in each other in each one of those other nominations. I yes. think there, I think Parasite is the perfect choice. I do. I agree. And you know, for a long, long time, um, well, actually, like I, I made a whole spreadsheet with Oscar winning statistics, and it actually goes in like weird kind of blocks, but. A lot of times, for a long time, it was like, oh, if you win Best Director, you're going to win Best Film. But in recent years, we've seen a lot more splits between the Best yeah. Director and Best Film categories. And so I think that if, for some reason, Parasite does, isn't going to win Best Picture, I can see it winning Best Director still. And it's been going to foreign nominees a lot. It has. You're right. Because... Yeah. Uh, so this wouldn't be, like, unprecedented. Right. Who won last year for... What's his name for Roma? Um, uh, Alfonso Cuarón. Yeah, like he won last year for Roma, but Roma didn't win mm-hmm. Best Picture. So, and I think Parasite obviously is going to win uh, Best Foreign Language Film. So, uh, yeah, I think Bong Joon Ho is a really good chance. I think the only person really giving him a run for his money is probably Sam Mendes. Oh. So, which I mean, I know you don't like 1917, but I think like from a technical aspect of the choreography that they had to do to get that stuff done, he did direct the shit out I of that know, movie. I know, but it's just based on a fucking like high idea. And by high idea, I mean like stoned idea. It's just like, what if it was one shot? Like, you know what I mean? And I know it's probably not what exactly went into it. No. But, <laughs> but it's just like, it's so, oh, sorry. I feel like you're, you're taking a, like, I don't know. Like, obviously like with, this is based on stories that were told to him by his father. I think this is a very personal film for him. Yeah. And yeah, he chose to do a gimmicky thing with it. I know. But a lot of people have tried that gimmick and it's been stupid. I think this is the first time I've seen that gimmick really look. They gave best picture to Birdman. Yeah, which was incorrect. That movie was stupid. So I'm saying this movie <laughs> is uh, it's good. You're I think discrediting it's well. us right now. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> Someone explain to me why Birdman is good, and then I'll explain <laughs> we'll, to you why we'll that's wait. wrong. We'll wait, yeah. <laughs> uh, I know. No, I'm still feeling very, like, kind of disappointed over 1917, but, yeah. but uh, it's, yeah, it, it's not fair. It, like, I just think, I don't know. It just, it still feels too gimmicky to me, that it leaves, like, an unsettling feeling, and I'm, I was looking forward to that movie and was highly let down. Not as, not as let down as Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> but overall, I was I was very disappointed. Yeah. Uh, do you think Quentin Tarantino stands any chance in this category? No. Okay. Well, there you have it, guys. On to Best Picture. Category. This whole podcast is all about, really, on most episodes. Okay. The nominees are Ford v. Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit. What? This episode is so long. Oh, I know. Sorry, Jojo Rabbit. I'm just going to start over. Okay. Nominees for Best Picture. <laughs> I'm like, it's so long. You're like, I want to back up. Well, you can edit it out. I'm sorry. All right. Leaving space for you to edit. I'm not going to, so that's a waste. Cool. Okay. Best Picture nominees. Ford v. Ferrari. The Irishman. Jojo Rabbit. Joker. Little Women. Marriage Story. 1917. Once Upon a Time. In Hollywood. And Parasite. What's that? Uh, that's the ellipses that is in the title <laughs> oh, of that film. Oh, yeah, duh. Good job. 
I read things correctly. <laughs> that was good. I like that. Uh, so what do you think is going to win Best Picture, Kyle? You know, it's sad that I don't care that much. <laughs> Usually I have like a, I have a horse in the race. You know what I mean? Like I have mm-hmm. something I really want to win. Like I would love to see Marriage Story. Do I think it's going to win? Absolutely not. Right. Parasite would be amazing for a foreign language film. If Roma didn't win, is Parasite going to win? I don't know. Honestly. I think Parasite's a better movie than Roma. What? Hot take. Well, I don't want to say that yes or no. I do want to say Roma had a little bit more competition in my mind, whereas like Parasite, I really do find is the clear winner here. I agree. I think Parasite, hands down, is the... If, I mean, if this, if this category is supposed to be what is the best film of the year, I think Parasite... 100% is the best film of the year. I don't think that there's anything that comes close to it, honestly. Like, yeah, Little Women was my number one pick. Again, that was a very personal pick. I would love to see it win. It's not going to win, but, I mean, that would be great. I would – I like Jelly's Beans. The only movie we haven't seen is Ford v. Ferrari. Honestly, if it – yeah, that's true. Uh, honestly, if it did win and Greta Gerwig didn't get a directing nomination, I would – there would be no people, dude. I would. I would not be happy. No, but that's what happened with Argo, right? Like it Ben did. Affleck didn't get nominated, did. and I think that, that helped push Argo, yeah, into the into the win. But um, I don't think that'll happen with with Little Women, honestly. Um, I think it mostly comes down to Parasite or Nineteen Seventeen, just because I think Nineteen Seventeen is very much like the biggest Oscar bait movie I've ever seen. Honestly, it's so Oscar baity, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so you know, it's a period piece, it's a war piece, it's got technical gimmicks it's got you know cinematography it's got benedict cumberbatch it's got benedict cumberbatch it's got hot priest andrew scott like it's got <laughs> everything you need so when he pulls that cigarette out of his hat i'm like dude can you like not be fuckable for just like a second right i'm just like i can't i can't <laughs> uh, anyway <laughs> so yeah but i mean personally i'd root for parasite i honestly don't know what's gonna win i think it is which i it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun yeah, to have some uncertainty going into it. I agree. Um, honestly, as long as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood doesn't win, I'm happy. You know, I think this has been like a really good year for like movies. I feel like it's been a really bad awards season. No, I agree. Like, yeah, it's, it's odd. You know, like well, yeah, like you were saying, like the fact that the farewell isn't nominated, which they have. So there's eight nominees for Best Picture, but you can have up to ten depending on how many um, yeah, votes. Nom- votes you get in the nominating process. So that means that, like, I just feel like that's extra shitty that the farewell didn't get nominated for anything. Yeah. Like, it's crazy to me. Yeah. But there you have it. We got a bunch of. Let me see. Yeah, white people, white people, men, more white people. So women. So mostly men, white white men. That's what's going on in these Best Picture nominees. So ninety two years of the same cool. shit, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but progress, guys. We're making progress. We are making apparently. Progress. I think. I think so. I mean, I, I think mean, I wouldn't are. call it like fucking revolutionary. No, but... I mean, like, I mean, the big story too is that in the acting nominees, there's only one person of color in all four categories which is yeah crazy i don't think it was a it's a big year for like movies though featuring people of color unfortunately you could have nominated lapita nyanka you could have nominated yeah. eddie no, murphy that is actually Aquafina. so true that uh, is so true i can't think of the woman that plays her grandmother but yeah no i absolutely agree like i actually forgot about eddie murphy from the race i do think he probably deserves it i think his performance is great yeah but also uh j-lo in the yeah, supporting actress i'm really surprised like i know that doesn't make sense to me 
there's stuff there that certainly are missed opportunities. Yes. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know what? At least Clint Eastwood didn't get nominated. <laughs> That's true. Can we just say that? Another year where Clint Eastwood doesn't get nominated. Let's just be grateful. That's that's good. Let's end it on that positive note. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for listening to this Irishman length podcast episode that we've created. Uh, Are we coming up? It's on? more like a midsummer. <laughs> okay, cool. Director's <laughs> cut or <laughs> uh, still still theatrical. Okay, good, good, yep. good. Thank you for listening, guys. Um, we are going to be working on season three for your consideration soon. So look out for that. And uh, we'll see you then. Bye. Someone to hold you too close. Someone to hurt you too deep. Someone to sit in your chair to ruin your sleep. That's true. But there's more than that. Is that all you think there is to it? You have so many reasons for not being with someone, Robert, but you have one good reason for being alone. Come on, you're under something. Maybe you're under something. Someone to need you too much. Someone to know you too well. Someone to pull you up short, to put you through hell. You see what you look for, you know? You're not a kid anymore, Robbie. I don't think I'll ever be a kid again, kiddo. Being online. Being alive, being alive. Blow out the candles, Robert, and make a wish. Want something. Want something. Somebody hold me too close. Somebody hurt me too deep. Somebody sit in my chair and ruin my sleep and make me aware of being alive, being alive. Somebody need me too much, somebody know me too well, somebody pull me up short and put me through hell and give me support for being alive. Make me alive, make me alive, make me confused, mock me with praise, let me be used, vary my days, but alone is alone. Not alive. Somebody crowd me with love. Somebody force me to care. Somebody make me come through. I'll always be there, as frightened as you, to help us survive. Being alive.